Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Jigs and Bigs is proud to announce we're being supported by Old Glory Outdoors. They're a veteran-owned company that carries fishing and hunting gear. Plus, they're highly active in supporting veteran organizations and charities. Old Glory is an authorized dealer of favorite rods, FX rods, Guggenbaits, X-Zone Lures, Sixth Sense, and many more. There's a brick-and-mortar store located in East Brookfield, Massachusetts, but you can also order online at oldgloryoutdoors.com. They ship anywhere in the lower 48 states or order Order online and pick up at the store. When you order, use the promo code Jigs and Bigs, and you'll save 10% off your complete order. Plus, you'll help support the show. Make sure to check out the apparel line called OGO Gear while you're there. Old Glory Outdoors believes in the slogan Start 'em Young to keep kids away from screens and enjoying nature. They've got a full array of live bait too. Check out oldgloryoutdoors.com and use the promo code Jigs and Bigs. Save some money and gear up now. Bobby Roast Beef here. <laughs> Just finished editing this, I mean, epic, epic, epic recording here of uh, of stuff for Jigs and Bigs. I, 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 uh, I had a little uh, a Zoom session with uh, a, an old, old, old friend of mine, uh, Sean Dominic. Sean and I, uh, we actually, we used to work together back in, uh, well, geez, I mean, this goes back to high school. I guess it was it was the year I graduated high school. Uh, he and I started working together at a, a TV and appliance store. And, uh, you know, we, we had definitely connected back then. We used to go to concerts together and all kinds of crazy stuff. He's a great, great dude. Anyway, he's been bass fishing a whole a lot longer than I have and has definitely taught me a lot um, and he's just got a great sense of humor like just he's just a, a, a quality quality dude like uh, I, anytime I've ever fished with him I've always had a blast I need to make it a point to do this more often anyway I want to tell you buckle up this episode is amazing. It's uh, it clocks in at uh, about two hours and fifteen minutes. So, but I'm telling you, I I cut and that's I cut about an hour out of all kinds of stuff. Now, a little bit of uh, of a heads up: there were some connectivity issues with Zoom. Uh, he had dropped out and then had uh, had uh, reconnected. We 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 got back on track. I edited the majority of that stuff out together. So if if there's Anything that seems like it's a little bit off, like the the audio quality has changed, or or something's been uh, sounds a little bit different to you, that is more than likely exactly what the problem is. Exactly what's going on. It's the fact that it was a dropout and it's a different connection. So just you know, please just deal with that the best that you can. Um, there's one point where it just got so to the point where we referenced it in here. You'll you'll see. I think this is a great discussion right here. It actually this conversation. Um, 
it actually sort of spawned a really great idea, something that I did um, in a previous podcast a long time ago, but I had never thought about it, and I didn't realize how much of a resource Sean could be for some really, really, really great stuff. Um, I'm going to give you guys a suggestion right now. Do yourselves a favor, and if you're if you're not, um, if you don't have you know a couple hours to sink into this podcast right now, start and stop it. You know, you, you listen for a little bit and then come back to it. Um, that's the beauty about podcasting. It's not a live sort of platform. Start and stop it if you need to, um, you know, but it's it's worth it. You know, listen to it all the way to the end. Uh, Sean is a really, really fantastic guy. Like just a, a, one of the, like I, I say this, this phrase a lot, good people. Like he is one of the most like highest tier quality of human beings I have ever met. Fantastic guy and has a wealth of knowledge, though he really, really does understand sell what he's bringing to the table um i hope you guys enjoy it it's gonna be really really good somebody trying to slide into my dms yeah oh. somebody flushed the toilet what's up brother how you doing dude you shaved the beard dude i didn't tell you what happened no oh there's a story <laughs> yeah it's a shameful one too <laughs> oh god lay it on me what you got uh, well, we're, I, I went to um i went to savers one day i was getting um that is I was getting shameful. frames for uh, for work, you know, to put up some of the stuff we had. Yep. And, and I didn't find frames, but I did find an Indiana Jones three DVD box set. So I'm like, oh, that's great. And a couple really? video games and a CD. So I walk up to the counter and the girl who was working there, I mean, very obviously stripped. Like there was no joke. Like she paid a lot of money for, for her chest. <laughs> and she looks at me and she goes, oh, hey, that's it. I go, yep. She goes, uh, oh, $15. I go, okay, great. She goes, oh, I forgot your discount. I'm looking at her. I go, for military? She goes, well, no, you're over 55, right? And I go, oh. Wow. Oh, my God, dude. Really? I'm like, I, I'm I'm 42. And oh. she's, you know, this girl's like 20. She's looking at me like 42 equals 100. It doesn't matter to her, you know? And I look at her, I go, all right, I'll take the discount. <laughs> that <laughs> is freaking bananas. That is awful, man. So one of my buddies comes over and he's like, oh, man, sweet. My, uh. You got the Indiana Jones box set. I go, yeah. Goes, <laughs> what a price. He goes, How I, what? he goes, what? Oh, it was, uh, you know, individually it says like $8 on it. She, yep. He goes, $8. I go, incorrect. $8 minus 30% senior discount. He goes, what? And I told him the story. He goes, oh, that's awful. Oh, that is terrible, dude. That's like the worst possible thing in the world that can happen. Yeah, oh, my God, man. Yeah. Oh man. So I'm gonna do. I, I've been doing. I, I use these products in all of my podcasts. Uh, they're called. They're called Pod Decks. Um, and what they are is they're like. It's kind of like a cool, interesting way to kind of gamify everything. So I always start with like a question, like from these, as just a warm up. And if it's a if it's a question that's a flop, I won't use it. I'll just edit it out because that's the thing. Like a lot of this stuff, I'll just edit you know, accordingly, whether or not it, cool. uh, it lands or not. So I got four colors. I got green, black, blue, and red. Pick a color. Uh, black. Black. Going black. Got to keep it metal. Nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, nice. Nile. <laughs> what would be your best day ever? Like, what best would, day? Yeah, what would be your best day ever? Fishing or wow, not? I'd get up early. I'd do a lot of fishing. I'd catch some decent fish. I'd come home, spend some time with the family, and that'd be uh, that'd be my day. I hear you. Pretty simple. <laughs> I think that's pretty much all anybody wants, especially anybody who's going to listen to this show. I think that's all all they all they want. Good day of fishing. Nice relaxing day with the family. No stress. No BS. Nothing like that. You know. I think that's all you can really ask for. 
tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, and and tell me about how you got interested in fishing. And also because um, you more than like my than myself for sure are like really 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 like i would say more of a schooled angler like with more experience on the water and uh definitely more detail oriented like your journals and stuff like that so share a little bit about like some of like how you got into that how you discovered bass fishing at that level uh sure so uh so as a kid um i grew up uh i grew up up the hill uh from bay state chickabee yep right on the springfield chickabee line we had a a small pond there that has since been bulldozed. I mean, that thing got bulldozed probably about 20 years ago. Yep. And uh, occasionally, you know, my parents or my mom or my dad would walk us over there, throw a line out. I don't think we ever caught anything there, but that kind of ignited things. And then um, we moved over to the falls uh, at the end of the 80s, mm-hmm. the Chicopee Falls area. So that gave me access to the river. So yeah. that, you know, all all the neighborhood kids that we hung out with, everyone had a fishing rod. Everyone went down to the river. Um different names for different parts. I mean, that really, I had access from, it's a little bit up the hill, but almost, you know, Crestwood street where, where the old, uh, the old friendlies was the Crestwood and East street. Yeah. 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 Way down there to, I mean, legitimately into Springfield to where, you know, Monsanto and the, the, uh, the fire department Academy are. Oh yeah. So, you know, any day of the week during the summer in the early nineties, you know, even into high school, I could be waist deep in the river wading around, catching smallmouth, catching largemouth catch nice. a pickerel, you name it. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, my, my fishing kind of took a back seat when college came around and then, um, I tried to pick it up here and there and then I joined the military and, uh, I was gone for years, but I fished wherever I was. It wasn't intense, but you know, probably around 2000, 2005, I think I got my first kayak. Yeah. Um, and that was, uh, it was a, man, it was an old Pelican recreational kayak. It was little, it was like, God, maybe seven feet long. I can't even remember. And I cut a hole in it for the, for the tackle. Cause it had no space for oh, anything. Yeah. I mean, w- I cut, was it a sit inside? No, it was a sit on top. I oh, never okay. had a sit inside. Right. No, um, safety wise, you know, I don't, I don't like my legs being covered up. Oh yeah. Um, just in case the thing turns over, I, I want to be free. You know, I, most of the time, and I recommend this to anyone who's got it or getting a kayak or getting into the market. I mean, the first thing you should do is wait till the water warms up. Yeah. <clears throat> go out on your favorite lake with no gear, tip the thing and climb back into it for safety. Yeah. Oh you yeah. Know, um, that's the, that's the way to go about it. So 2005, I think I bought that one. And then my next kayak, I think I, I started a trend with this. I, I pick up a lot of kayaks on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. You find them used kayaks generally last forever. You can check out the hull and see if there's any damage and, uh, and go from there. My next kayak was a, uh, a a kayak made for larger folks. As you know, I'm I'm a tall guy, so yep. Um, I had a Cobra fishing dive, which was a, a huge kayak. It was 36 inches across. It was, it was bright yellow. It was big enough that it actually inside the hull you could store scuba tanks if you needed to. Really? So yeah, it's immense kayak. That that kayak has since been retired to my uh, my in laws cabin in Minnesota. We yep. drove it out there one year. Nice. Um, my third kayak, which I still have is a, uh, a native ultimate, which is kind of a hybrid between a sit on top kayak and a, um, and a canoe. Yep. And I now I have, I have, you know, one for me, one for my son, the oldest one, uh, my, my youngest son inherited my oldest kayak. And, uh, I have a newer one that I bar- I purchased last year, a uh, fishing model, which I'm loving to death right now. And, um, I purchased another, uh, used one for my, for my wife and, uh, oldest son in case they want to get out. That's so, awesome. 
once once the kayaking took a hold and then uh somewhere around 2007 i really started really 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 started uh paying attention to what i was doing yep and honestly I, you've you've seen my my fishing log it's a pretty immense database but i try to keep it with um with one thing in mind you know and i, I heard uh I heard you and um, uh, Paul. Was it Paul? Your Paul. last guest. Yep. Yeah, Paul. You and Paul were uh, were talking about it a little bit about um, you know lures designed to catch fishermen. Oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I always kept that in mind. I mean, I don't want to. I don't. I don't like overloading a kayak with tackle that I'm out there not using, um, spending the money on it. Yep. I mean, you can go to you know name a retail outlet. You can go and buy as much tackle as you want anytime you want, and you know, you don't know if some of those lures are designed to mimic some sort of forage that's found only in the Southeast or only in, exactly. you know, you, know, you don't, you don't know. Um, not that it's not going to catch, you know, fish around here, fish will bite anything, oh, for but sure. will it catch stuff consistently? You know, we know we have, you know, what bluegills, perch, crawdads, yep. some bodies of water have herring and alewives in them, stuff yep. like that. Everybody pretty much has shiners, um, yep. golden oh, or absolutely. Emerald. Yeah. Yeah. So you can just mimic that stuff. And I kind of whittled down from there and I really focused with that database on what, what I was actually catching fish with, with my style. And, you know, that's going to be different for everybody, you know, Mm -hmm. um, like I mean, here's the best example is I, I am just completely stubborn. I refuse to drop shot. I refuse to, it's just too slow of a fishing method. Yeah. I just don't like doing it. So I don't own any drop shotting equipment. Oh, you know, Probably won't. <laughs> well, you know, and, and the thing is, it's funny that that like you talk about about what you carry on 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 a yak. I feel like kayak fishing and bank fishing is has one very 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 significant like common thread, and that's you need to be versatile because whether you know you're paddling from one spot to the other or you're you know walking along trails, you need to have confidence in the tackle that you're bringing and the the technique. So you you've got to be able to at least have that uh, readily available. You know you gotta you gotta carry the stuff that you know works, and that's one thing. Like I remember when we first had gone out, you were taking notes about like all kinds of stuff, factors that I never would have even considered. Just to you know kind of you know have that knowledge to go back on, which I thought was freaking amazing. But yeah, I think versatility is like the key thing that everybody needs, uh, or that that kayak and bank anglers at least kind of share. Yeah. And, and I mean, compared to like what the amount of gear you can bring on a bass boat. Oh, uh, Jesus. Or even, even, even a, a, a you know, a well modified John boat. Yep. Um, and, you know, I mean, you and I, you and I know we're, we're not getting any, uh, we're not getting any younger. Oh, no. I mean, even with a kayak, you, you overload it, you start, you know, uh, you have to start thinking about, well, how much gear am I loading in, loading out? How heavy is it? I'm getting, you know, I don't want to throw, you know, a hundred pound kayak on top of a ladder rack. I try, try to go with my, um, I just load into the bed of my truck. Yep. So the less I have to lift that, you know, three feet or three and a half feet, whatever it is off the ground, the better I am for my back and knees. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys out there that to this point now there, you see some of the, the, the pedal kayaks and the, the kayaks that have trolling motors built in and they they don't even bother loading it in and out. They'll throw uh they'll throw right on a trailer. Yep. Um, and I, you know, I'm 
again, I'm trying to minimize cost too. I don't want to pay for trailer. <laughs> so, well, you know, and then you got to worry about too, like w- when it comes to lugging around a trailer, like I thought about the same thing. I-, I had the family convinced like, oh yeah, we should just, everybody should get kayaks. We'll get a kayak trailer. We can put four of them on, no problem. And then I'm like, you know, but if I'm going to go and lug that around, now I've got to manage the trailer. I've got to store the kayaks that I'm not using and then bring that yep. out. It's just like, it- it's almost it's just, it's, it's crazy to kind of deal with. I'll tell you what I saw. Um, what was it? Old town has some, uh, some kayaks that, uh, they, they work with, uh, Minn Kota. They've got trolling motors in. They look yep. amazing. <laughs> like yeah. I, I would consider, honestly, I would consider as somebody, instead of even, even modifying a, ba- a John boat, um, you know, I would consider looking into one of these, these suckers there. Absolutely. I mean, they come at a hefty price tag. I think they're like $3,500. Yes. But yeah, I, they're pricey. I I know that the 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 Minkota motors that they're using go like sixteen hundred alone. So it's like I mean I I don't know. I think it could be pretty badass as far as you know. I just love the idea you have a spot lock on on a kayak. You know. Yeah, and um, the thing you have to think about with with motors too, and I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, please double check on this, but um, if you have a trolling motor on a boat, whether it's a kayak or a John boat, you got to register. You that do have to mass. register it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. I mean, I, I mentioned uh, having my my oldest kayak up in Minnesota, and um, as you know, Minnesota doesn't play games with their waters. So even watercraft like kayaks and stand up paddle boards, you have to register there, whether oh, they yeah. have a motor or not. So again, that's you know, there's costs involved. It it always comes down to me, like or comes down um, for me. What what am I paying for? What's the benefit? I try to be as cost effective as possible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, whether it's with lures, whether it's the boats, whether it's, you know, you name it, I try to be as cost effective as possible. Oh yeah. So, if you can, if you can keep from wasting money, I mean, why, why wouldn't you? It's one thing. It's one thing if it's, if it's a convenience factor, you know, and you're like, okay, so I'm spending a little bit more, but it's like, you know, I'm getting what I need without having to put in whatever effort. That's that's fine. But especially like when it comes to a decision like what you're going to run for, you know, what you're going to choose to use for a watercraft, if at all, um, and how you're going to transport it, that kind of stuff all comes into play. Exactly. I forget the guy's name. I saw a YouTube video about um, owning a, a bass boat. And this is a guy who does who does tournament fishing. He's got uh, a, a bass boat. I forget how much, like a crazy amount of money he, sent, he, he put into this thing. But he broke down the expenses, not just, you know, the gas or the, you know, to insure it or anything else. But like he actually built a garage to house it. Uh, so that, you know, it could, he's like, I'm making this kind of investment. I'm putting all of this is factoring in together and he's got uh, a financial background. And he goes, as somebody who works in finance, I can tell you doing this is the worst financial decision you're ever going to make in your life. That said, I would a hundred percent do it again if I had to, you know, he's just like, you, you just, there's some things you just have to have to, you know, kind of realize, but he's like, it's just the amount that you, of, of money that, that owning a boat can, can cost you, especially something of like that type of caliber, like a 20 foot, 20, 21 foot bass boat, you know, with like a 250 horsepower engine, you know, you're, you're, you're burning through fuel like crazy. The fuel to fuel the truck to get it to the, to the ramp, you know, that yep. you got to count it, consider as well. If the trailer, the trailer is going to cost money. I mean, yep. you have to get the trailer insured too, right? I I think that varies state to state. Um, uh, 
I, but I mean, if nothing else, you got to register it. And I know you have to pay an excise for it in mass. Great. You know? Yeah. There's more so, costs. Yep. And, and you know, then if, uh, if the, if the trailer goes, you know, if you have a, a problem with the wheel, that's something else to fix. I mean, yep. like I said, I try to keep it simple. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing nope. wrong with that at all. So, and that's the other thing too. It's like you've fished a lot of areas. I know there's a, a handful of states that you've you've fished in. So you've got a lot more experience than most of the most of the anglers in my network, as far as like different parts of the country, which is pretty crazy. Have you ever fished like you haven't fished for peacock bass in Florida or anything like that? Have you? Uh, I have not. No. Um, I mean, most of my experience outside of uh, outside of Mass. Um, you know, I'll start, I'll start smallest amount of experience to the largest, uh, you know, I have, I have kids. So we go to Florida every yep. two, three years, whatever it is, whenever we get a chance, we haven't gone in quite a, quite some time, but, um, usually during our, our vacation, if we go, you know, Disney or whatever, I always try to make sure that I take a day and get a guide and oh, yeah. I take a, I take a completely different approach than I think most people do when I get a guide. Um, when you, when you, when you get a guide, um, they're, I mean, they're kind of conditioned and I've heard it from friends who have, who have gotten guides who kind of didn't know what they were getting into going in. Um, a lot of people just expect that you're going to go out and you're going to catch all these fish. Exactly. And, and I walk in there and saying, dude, I don't care if we don't catch anything like let's BS. I'm taking, I'm taking a personal day here from the, the craziness of Disney or wherever we're at. Yep. And I'm taking a day, let's go out or half day or whatever it is. And let's have some fun generally that relaxes the guides. Um, so I, I, there was one, the first time I did this was, man, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. Yep. The kids were real young and I took a day and I went, um, and got, uh, just the, the, the charters that are available at Disney. And we went zipping around. It's one Lake. We were actually at the, um, I think, I think it was the entrance to universal. The, the big bodies of water at Disney have one, you know, cove or whatever right right there at the yep. entrance to universal and I, I apologize i'm not looking at a map or anything but i just remember an entrance to one of the theme parks being right there and i thought it was universal hmm. and um we started there and it was whatever three or four hours i think it was four hours we didn't catch anything on the way back for maybe an hour and um we we're just bsing and I, I told him like i said i'm just taking a day off yeah and I, I finally hooked into a bass. It wasn't big, you know, whatever, 15, 16 inch long, not even two pounds. And uh, I heard him from the back of the boat go, oh, thank God. I, I go, did you just thank God that I caught a two pound fish? He said, yeah. He goes, I was going to feel real bad if we didn't get anything. I mean, I think a cold front had moved, moved in the night before. I'm like, man, I told you not to worry about it. It's all good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and those guys, I feel like the, the pressure is on for them because, you know, I mean, they want to, they're, they're sort of acting as like the liaison for that, that area and the waters. So they obviously want, you know, their, the people that they're guiding to have the best experience possible, but I can, I can definitely see. Yeah, absolutely. And and to contrast that a a friend of mine had told me he, he had gotten a guide in the Midwest Yep. and kind of said a few things to the guide about, well, I want to catch bigger fish and this and that. And I'm like, dude, you don't say that to guides. I mean, if I were the guide, I would have brought you right to the, you know, where I could find the smallest bluegills on the lake and, you know, that's what we got. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because he was kind of a jerk about it. I'm like, no, nah, it doesn't work that way. It, but yeah, um, yeah, it's not like they're 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 crafting the experience. All they're really able to do is just put you uh, utilize their wisdom. They're not going to catch yeah. them every time, you know. Absolutely. Um, a, a, 
as far as Florida goes, again, I think I've got, like I said, I got guides, whatever, three, four times yep. tops in my life. But um, there was one really funny story I have about this. Uh, this I, I ended up getting a guide. We stayed, uh, we didn't stay at Disney one year. We stayed off campus. Of, I don't know if we got a condo or something, we split it with my parents, whatever. So I, um, I looked up local guide services and I found one guy and his reviews were good. So I said, okay, and I gave him a call and said, okay, could you, you mind picking me up? We don't have a vehicle. So he picked me up in the parking lot of the, uh, the grocery store across from where we were staying. He asked me, I said, well, he said, where do you want to fish? He said, man, I'm your easiest customer. Take me wherever. And he goes, okay, we'll go to Kissimmee. Now I didn't know this. It wasn't like broadcast all over his, uh, his webpage, but yep. he had, he had fished, um, a lot of the regional qualifier stuff for BASS. So this guy was a pro, he was a guide and he did the guide full-time stuff. You know, he did the, the guiding full-time and did the, um, the tournaments on the side. Yep. So the stories this guy had were, were phenomenal. Oh, um, I'm, I'm sure they were. Yeah. He was telling me that he had a, um, he had a client from the middle East that had a lot of money and the guy would just get in the boat and he just wanted to drive. <laughs> and then he would take everyone out for Burger King afterwards. I said, <laughs> well, that's all right. I started laughing at that. And then um, when we got to talking a little bit more and he asked where I was from, I said, well, I'm, I'm from Massachusetts. We were, we had just gotten into the opening of one of the, whatever, whatever lake we were on in the chain. And uh, he said, well, you're not going to freak out, are you? And I'm looking at him going, why, why would I freak out? What, what, what experiences have you had with Massachusetts people? And he yeah. goes, let me tell you. He goes, he goes, you see that house over there? And uh, it, it had a long, you know, really, really long dock on it. I don't know, 50 to 75 feet. And at the end of it, there was a big statue. And as we got closer, it was a, it was a bronze statue of Shaquille O'Neal. And he goes, that's Shaq's house. I go, oh, no kidding. That's awesome. It's right next door, that used to be Johnny Damon's house. I said, well, that's cool. And he, that's when he's looking at me. And I go, what's the matter? And he goes, well, I had two groups of Boston guys from Boston come down. And, um, I get it. <laughs> yeah, and it was right after Damon left for the Yankees. Yep. And, uh, you know, he did the same thing. He said, well, there's Shaq's house and that's Johnny Damon's house. And he, he actually said he had a second boat come in. He had called another one of his guide buddies because his party had like six people in it. He goes, a minute he said that Johnny Damon's house was right there. All of the all of the party like stopped what they were doing and stared at the house. And one of them, I guess, rather loudly exclaimed, you know, he better not come out on his dock. I'll throw him a beating or something. <laughs> That so, sounds like a Boston fan, though. Yeah, well, I was laughing. I said, yeah, oh, that was a time. I mean, that was a big betrayal. Johnny Damon was yeah. uh, the second coming here, you know? And um, and he said, oh, yeah. He goes, these guys were just all stereotypical. He said, everyone was wearing either a Bruins, Patriots, or Celtics jersey, all chomping yep. on cigars. I said, yeah, well, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we wear up here. <laughs> Stereotypes for a reason, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that is too much, man. You know, the other the other two places uh, that I spend a lot of time in across the country um, – Minnesota. Uh, again, my in-laws have a, have a cabin up North, which is phenomenal. Yep. Um, and, um, Oklahoma, I spent a lot of time in Oklahoma for, uh, for work and, um, lucked out that I had a, a, a mentor and friend down there who had his own private bass pond oh, that, um, Jesus. he had a little, he had a little bit of a Valley in his backyard. He's got a huge amount of acreage and, uh, he, he had a stream running through it and he, uh, he dammed it up on one end, flooded it, cut down, I think like 75 trees into it. And then stocked it um, with bass fingerlings one year. Yep. Um, I think, I, I forget the number. I think it was 1,600 fingerlings he put in there. And out of that 1,600, 400 were tiger bass, which are a, a hybrid between northern and southern strain largemouth. Yep. So they get as big as southern and they're as violent as northern. Oh, wow. Um, so over the three or four years I fished with him, whenever I would go down there, 
and he was a great guy. He always let me keep my gear there in his garage. Garage had a, a few too many brown recluses and copperheads in it, but that's you know stories. Yeah. Time. Um, I had his I had his pond record for about three years, so he was not pleased with that. That a Yankee came down and had his his pond record. Um, so the the first year I was down there, he he took me out on the boat. He had a bass boat there, and he absolutely threw me a beating using jigs. And I did not know how to use jigs. It was a, I, it was very a, a big weak point for me. I didn't know how to use them. And um, after I don't know, there was one day, one morning, we went out. It was cloudy and rainy, and he caught. I think it was like a five, a six, and a, and a four right in a row. Oh wow! Maybe a seven. It was just it was just a being. After the third one, I said, "What are you doing? Like how? Yeah. How can I learn this?" And um, by my second or third trip down there, between his you know mentorship and um or tutelage, his tutelage and, uh, and me reading up more on the subject, I made sure I was ready to rock. And, uh, that next trip I caught an eight Oh and an eight four. Jesus so, Christ, man. Yeah. So, and ever since, you know, every time I went, I continued to go down there. It was like, it was very rare for me not to catch a six or a seven. Um, were these tigers? Pond, no. Well, we don't know. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. I think he said the pond was created in 2010. I didn't start going there until 2014. Um, all right. Okay. So, I mean, some of them could be, he also said he, he made a mistake that he threw channel cats in there. Um, he had a secondary pond where the channel cats were. And I don't know, I don't know how the channel cats got from one pond to the other. Maybe he had a few drinks one night. I have no idea. Yeah. So I didn't throw the channel, but he said, he said the, uh, the channel cats might've put a ding in the population, but the ones that are there, I mean, it's enormous. That's those, those fish are, fish are nuts. And the pond's not even that big. It's only like 20 acres. It's a lot of fish for a pond that size. Yeah. I, I, I tell you what, those, those days were great. I mean, it's really weird. Those fish had a, had a tendency. I didn't see a lot up North where, you know, we get the, we get all generally, we generally get the good morning and you know, the dawn and dusk bites Yeah, and those largemouth in Oklahoma, they love to have lunch. So I remember there was one trip I had. Um, and again, I was down there for schooling for work. Yep. Um, I was working, I got put on the night shift. My class was on the, the the night shift. So three to 11 or whatever it was. And I would just wake up at like seven, you know, have breakfast, go to the gym and immediately get in the car and drive to his house. Took 45 minutes to get there. Yeah. I would fish until one o'clock, turn around, drive back, take a shower and go to work. And it was, it was just amazing what would happen during, you know, the noontime hours. They would just turn on for an hour. Yeah, it was great. Uh And it's like that consistently, huh? Um, I mean, look, Southern largemouth are, really very very um susceptible to changes in pressure i think a lot more than than northern largemouth you know we get a cold front up here i mean generally those fish are kind of back to normal in a day or two those southern largemouth they just pout like i mean you get a bad cold front the fishing shut down for like two or three days yeah i've heard i've heard it they're moody yeah they Hmm. and he he was actually um you know my 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 mentor there was actually, uh, you know, contemplating if he'd thrown too much bait in there where they weren't taking lures because he had a population of threadfin shad, crappie, bluegills, you name it. He threw it in there. The crawfish in there were like small lobsters. Yeah. Was, you know, he, he actually ended up having a problem where they were burrowing into his dam and causing some small leaks. So, I mean, the, craw- the you crawfish, know, fish, really? yeah, well, they get, they got different species of crawfish down there. Yeah. They were just enormous. So yeah, I could see if a couple hundred of them did that it could happen, but damn, that's those, crazy. Those were, those were well-fed fish. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I've heard that before, that if there's too much in there for bait, then you're you're going to have that much more of a difficult time getting them to eat an artificial lure because 
quite literally like the hunger isn't there. You know, yeah. it's, there, it's the land of the plenty, you know, so. And yeah. then you're relying on times like the spring and and the fall when they're feeding up, or, or I should say the fall at least at least up north, where you know they're feeding up for changes in the year, and then uh, you know the bait they put a herding on that. That's that's crazy, man. What's uh, yeah. what, what's your favorite season to fish? Like, I mean, mainly in in New England. Like, what's your favorite season up here to fish? You know, I actually have a kind of a funky answer to that because I heard you ask Paul that yeah. uh, on your last on the last show, and um, the the it was fresh in my mind because part of that database that I, that I keep, I was kind of looking at months, you know, I, I keep a separate, um, a separate page, a separate tab just devoted to looking at months and, you know, how many fish do I catch in Massachusetts in January? How many largemouth in February, et cetera, yep. et cetera. And I realized, well, a fish does not read a calendar. A fish doesn't know what calendar is, but a no. fish knows how to react to temperatures. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I scaled it up and down looking at temperatures in five degree increments um, in spring and going from spring into summer into fall by our, you know, human seasons. Yep. And um, I'm kind of amazed at what I saw. It was, it was, I had a a preconception going in. It turned out to be a little bit of a misconception because when I did that, you could see, you know, pre-spawn and then a post-spawn drop at certain temperatures. And then just a, and then just a, a, a nice climb and a drop when it went back into um, winter. It was just really neat to see that. Um, hmm. So I don't know if I really, I don't know if I really have one. I mean, I could tell you one I hate the dead of winter. Yeah. The dead of winter. It's iced over and I can't fish. Yep. Speaking of ice fishing, I know we tried to get together this year and um, I didn't have any local ice. I mean, I had to go up to the Berkshires a couple of times and that was on invite. So this is a weird, done that, yeah, this is, this, this winter was a, a weird winter that was, it was, I wouldn't say safe ice anywhere, uh, locally to where we live. Um, our, our drive yeah. minimum. I mean, it was, it was rough. Uh, it was a very mild winter. I mean, a lot of people, myself included, aren't going to complain about that because, you know, I was kayaking February this year. That yeah, early. I was kind of, yeah. Holy I, shit. I drove out to the Cape. Cape's yeah. Cape's always open. Um Yeah. But yeah, I really don't I really don't have one, man. There's there's highs and lows to every season, you know, season. It's you know, even in the dead of summer, uh, you know, instead of sitting around on the kayak at noon frying, I, I might not go fishing during the day, but all of a sudden at seven or eight o'clock at night I'm getting the stuff ready and then I don't get home till one o'clock in the morning, two yeah. o'clock in the morning. So, you know, it's nice and cool out. I'm nice fishing, you know, night fishing, there's nobody out, you know, with recreational lakes, nobody's out there being a danger to anybody around them. Yeah, that's what's nice with uh, like like in the summer, you know, when you can get get out there, even even just early. I usually I'm usually up and out about three thirty in the morning, and all you know, get my stuff together, kind of take it easy, getting out there, and then you know I'll be up about an hour before, and I'll just fish right through dawn. You know, as the sun comes up, and it works out. I, it works out really good. I, I hate being out there in the summertime, like when the when the sun's way up. I can't st- I can't do it. It's just it's it's crazy. Let alone the fact that you just burn like a son of a bitch. Latest I'll go in the summer is about ten a.m. I think statistically, if 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 you look at it and you say what's the you know if you if you take a look back um, and analyze the year, there probably isn't necessarily a best season per se. It's probably got more to do with like the lunar cycle and you know the the weather in general uh, than it does necessarily any one specific like three month season. Yeah, I mean, water temperature is going to play a huge yep. part. Um, so that's that's really what I look at. 
uh, a lot. I mean, obviously, you know, weather patterns are going to change year by year, but, you know, during the year, um, during every year, the water is going to be cold, warm up and cool down. And it's going to do that every year. You never know what you're going to get for weather, but you know, the water is going to be cold, then it's going to be warm and then it's going to be cold again. Yeah, exactly. So kind of track that. I mean, that's kind of a, you know, a neat thing to look at, but yeah, I mean, like, I mean, as far as seasons go, I mean, when you talk about with what other humans, what other fishermen bring to the game and, re- you know, recreational users. Yeah. I mean, you're going to see a, a big bump because everyone's excited about the spring. Everyone's got cabin fever. Everyone yep. gets out. There's a lot of people, recreational fishermen um, and, and uh, competitive fishermen all get out in the spring and then kind of drops a little bit in the summer. I mean, people are out, but they're not, they don't have that initial, like that initial excitement, like a lot of people do in the spring. And then, yeah. you know, in the fall, the minute football season hits Sundays are the, the waters are bare again. It's wonderful. It really <laughs> Nobody's is. out there. Isn't it great? I love as a guy who doesn't care about sports at all. It, I, I love sports for that. Like once football season kicks off, you're like, Oh, this is great. September was awesome. October was great. You know? Yeah. yeah oh. they, the waters really, really empty out, you know, the recreational boaters, they're gone. And, um, you know, then you kind of, you kind of find out, you know, who's really super serious about fishing. Cause those guys are out there, you know, every week, Yep. Every, you know, as, as much as they can, you know, football is great, but you know, I'd rather be out doing something than, than watching somebody else do something. Oh, That's just me. Absolutely. The, uh, the last thing I was going to kind of go into was, um, you know, with, with the areas of the country I fished, um, Minnesota is, is like a second home at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we go up there every year with, with relatives there. And, um, my, uh, my in-laws have a, a, uh, a beautiful cabin on that's actually being rebuilt right now. Uh, they, the older cabin was built, I guess in the seventies and you know, the family's gotten bigger and the cabin's gotten older and really never got any upgrades. So they, they bulldozed it this, uh, this past fall and rebuilt it. And it's, uh, it's going to be ready for this summer. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So we're, we're excited about that. And, uh, it's on a chain of lakes that does get a ton of recreational usage. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, the amount of information that, that I really, or the amount of like, not only just techniques, but really watching other anglers, um, being on a cabin and seeing people kind of just drift up and do their thing, um, around a dock or how they approach a certain weed line. Minnesota has got in particular, this lake right in front of the house, um, has a large, uh, native rice paddy you know there's just rice stalks everywhere oh really so that's yeah that's a whole new uh you know whole new structure to fish around it's not like you know the reeds and the weeds and the various things we have around here rice paddy is a whole it's a whole different ball game um yeah it's it's different so you know when you when i when i talk about you know i learned a few things in florida here and there and then oklahoma i i learned i mean i i took away you know, my, my plastic and jig use is straight out of Oklahoma. Like I, I really wasn't big on plastics and jigs before I went to Oklahoma. But when, when I talk about Minnesota, um, I mean, really running weed lines and, and yep. doing various things with, with power fishing, with crankbaits, spinnerbaits, um, you know, not only do you have decent largemouth up there. I mean, it's Minnesota. They have a shorter growing season than us. You know, when we're mm-hmm. already well in the swing of things in May, you know, on the fisher, you know, if the, depending on the water temperature, fish may be in some sort of stage of spawning. Um, you know, they, they're still iced up in the middle of May 
where they're at in Minnesota. So it's oh, like, really? They're that far? Because I've heard like, I've I've heard people country. say Minnesota in, in the, is is very much like Hoth. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, I don't like going there in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, in the summer they 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 have a much shorter growing season for the fish, and then on top of that, you know, those lakes are all full of northern pike and bowfin. So they've got to deal with that and yep. walleye too. So, you know, I mean, when, when I really, I mean, I think the biggest thing I learned from there is, um, you know, my kids were really young and we had to, I couldn't just be out on the boat all day. The kids couldn't take care of themselves when they were, you know, under the uh, five and under. Yeah, exactly. Damn um, it. I had, the, I had the ability to go out at night and, um, and fish off the dock just to get it, you know, an hour or two in. And I should say this too, like the mosquitoes are horrific up there. And that's the first place I had to go out at night in the middle of summer wearing like a sweatshirt, jeans, long socks and a mosquito net just to keep them off me. It was horrible. Like they don't, they don't care about bug spray. They don't care about deep. Really? So yeah, though, those mosquitoes are hellish. They're bad. They, I mean, it, yeah, I, I cannot, I cannot say enough bad things about the mosquitoes in Minnesota. I when when I was out there get at night, so bad. Huh. I don't, I have no idea. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's awful. <laughs> like they make jokes about it up there. Like they'll, they'll, you can go through the airports and find, you know, any sort of, you know, tchotchke, whatever, shot glass, a yep. pint glass, and have a picture of mosquito and just says Minnesota State bird on it. It's all over the place. No shit. Um, but at night, uh, what I found was, and this this kind of taught me how to really assess like pressured lakes with with recreational traffic during the day. Um, man, the night bite was so hot there. So those fish would just come right into shores and uh, right into the shoreline. I mean, I'm talking two to three feet away from the shore and just they would eat anything that would move. Yeah. So anything would work there. I mean, name your standard night fishing fare, you know, spinnerbaits, uh, uh, bladed jigs, um, you know, Senkos, you name it. Um, it. It was no joke. I like, I think the first night I did it, I was laughing a half hour in because I'd never, it was shooting fish in a barrel and all those fish were 15, 16, 17 inches long. And it was crazy. No kidding. So I really learned to night fish out there. And then of course, in the daytime, you know, working deep weed edges and, and yeah, um, yeah there's it, it, the more, you know, the more you go out and fish and see different parts of country, if you're able to, um, it's going to, if you're paying attention, it'll, te- it'll teach you things. So it's good. You know, and one other, one other side trip that I'd like to make mention of that I had an absolute blast on um, with being in the military. I, got, I had a trip um, down to West Virginia one year and all right. Yeah, it was it was a week long trip, and I took one of one of um, one of my troops with me, and we got on the plane, and I, I had kind of a bigger bag. And he said, "What are we doing with that bag?" And I said, "Oh, wait till you see." And I opened it up, and we got there, and I brought two fishing rods, two collapsible fishing rods. I brought a baitcaster for myself and a, a spinning rod for him. Nice. And um, <laughs> the whole week, every day after work, all we did was was get him a six pack of beer and go. St- we were waiting in the Shenandoah River for smallmouth for a week. Oh, it was no absolutely phenomenal yeah yeah so so i try to take advantage if i go somewhere of, of fishing somewhere new and and you know seeing what i can do yeah see you know it's funny because i i had um before this whole like quarantine thing kind of happened i had a, a trip planned for vegas 
in uh, the end of March, the last week of March, I would have been there for the bar nightclub show and then for TriviaCon. And my goal, I had a, a a day off. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bass fish in the desert. We're gonna find. I looked up a couple of uh, of areas where there were small ponds and lakes at parks. And I was getting, you know, all set to get my license and everything. It was like 80 bucks for like a three-day, like like a weekender's license. Crazy expensive. Yep. But I'm like, no, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to go for it. And I found a YouTuber who is from, um, from New Hampshire. And he did a video fishing in Vegas as well. And I was like, you know, uh, just, just to give it a shot, I'll, I'll, I'll go and take a look at it. And I was just about to buy a collapsible spinning uh, combo and, and pack yep. it all up. And then this whole thing happened. And, uh, you know, everything yeah. got pushed back to like October now. So I don't know. We'll see how that works. But yeah, you're, I agree with you. Absolutely. If you're, if you're out of town and you can, like, it is 100% worth trying to get out to some local water and, and, and fish and, and use it as an as an educational point, if possible. You don't use any uh, any electronics, do you? I do. Oh, you I do. do? All okay. my car- yeah, I just uh, I don't go overboard with it yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's keep it on yet right now. I mean, I saw some of the um, some of the new sonars that are coming out are just are insane. Um, I mean, they're insane. So I've been looking at some of the newer models, but for now, I just keep a I keep a small. So I have a small Lowrance that I just oh, okay. I just put it back. Well, yeah, I got, um, I actually, I, I want a fish finder, uh, <laughs> of all things at a, a veterans day, you know, uh, raffle yep. like two years ago and it was a color one, a head side scan. I said, Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I put it on my boat. And then the one downfall to it was it, the night setting was awful. So it was either, you know, burning your retinas out at, you know, midnight or yeah. you couldn't see it. And that drove me nuts. So I just went back to my, my older one. Um, I just reinstalled it maybe a month ago. But I, again, I don't go overboard with it. Again, I try to keep it light. Uh, I did find a company that makes instead of the uh, those big twelve volt batteries that weigh you know a couple pounds. Which yep. man, man, I unloaded my boat one night and and was taking stuff out of the back seat of my car, and I had the battery on the floor, and I don't know if I grabbed the net and it was on the net, but that thing landed on my foot one day, and my foot was swollen for a week. Oh, I believe it. So, They're heavier than hell. Yeah, I, it was. And that was painful. Um, That's no so uh, there's companies now that make little tiny 12 volt batteries that are, you know, the size of a wallet and it goes right with my, you know, keeping it, keeping it light and, and, you know, being as versatile and quick as possible to get a boat in and out of the water. Oh yeah. Keep it compact. So, you know, you, you, you don't lose the accessibility of being able to drop a kayak wherever you are. Yep. You know, yeah. and those, those batteries were, uh, they're heavy. They're bulky. Mm-hmm. It adds more weight to the kayak. Um, I mean, I don't think I've ever had a problem with one performance wise, but if you can find something lighter and smaller, why not? Yeah, no, absolutely right. And you could, the thing is the smaller, lighter ones, you could probably even, you know, use a second one and then use a solar charger. If one, if you ever had to change them out, you know, it's easier to carry yeah. a backup with them being so small. No, that, that definitely makes sense. Um, I, that's one thing I've 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 always sort of I I have never really understood how a lot like the one thing people are talking about right now that's a big buzz is pan optics. That's a a, a big thing I've heard a lot of people talk about like the new pan optics. Like I don't know if that's specifically a side imaging, but I think the idea is that uh, it basically gives you a little bit more of a of not not so much a high def, but a little bit more of a um like a, a way to sort of pinpoint what's happening under the boat. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's almost, I, 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 you'll have to excuse me. I'm not going to talk like an expert on this, but from what I've right. read on it, it's a, 
it looks like you're looking down completely in a, you know, almost a, almost 360 degrees. Yeah. You're getting that kind of a scan. Yep. And you can see, you know, you can see, you, you can tell the difference between a fish and a piece of structure by how the shadow is. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not an expert. I don't have one. But that's when I said yet, I've been looking at those going, ooh, that's <laughs> that's something I might want to play with. But, I mean, when you look at those systems, you're talking in the thousands of dollars. So, Oh, yeah. You know, it's one of those things where do you want to – so you want a sonar system that's worth more than your boat? I mean, some people do. I, I I don't know if I do or not yet. Yeah, that's it's a big decision to kind of make. I had thrown around the idea even as just I, I had thrown around the idea. Um, deeper makes a newer, uh, uh, an updated version of their of their fish finder, and I had thrown around the idea of just just getting my hands on one of those just so that you know right now like. If you were to take the information in my brain of the water that I fish and what that image of what's happening under the water looks like, it would look like something from Narnia. Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's it's like you just kind of are guessing um, <laughs> unless you can actually see something, you know, under the water. Like, you can see where, like, there's a, a piece of a branch that comes up or see some timber. But even then, you, you only have so much insight as what's going on. It's Especially when it comes to grass, you know, it's, it's yeah. so hard unless it's like crystal clear water and you're right on top of it looking down. It's so, so well, hard to see all that stuff. Well, so there's some, there's some things you can do with that. I mean, yep. like I, I love using lipless crankbaits. I mean, a lot of people use them in the spring. I use them year round. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of the things that I, I, I try to tell people if, if I'm out there and they're learning to use them, you know, kind of under my watch, I'll say, <clears throat> well, if you have a map, uh, a topo map, and you know where you're sitting and you, you know, the topo map is saying that the water is, let's say six feet deep. All right. Yep. You can, you can kind of guess the fall rate. All right. Maybe find a clear area, see how long it takes, you know, for the thing to hit bottom. So if it takes five, six seconds, whatever, four seconds, do the math on that. And then if you let it sink two seconds and you know, it's gone down two feet and you hit weeds, you've now painted a picture. Okay. So yeah. there's weeds two feet under the water. I caught grass right there. You know, it's going to descend as it goes, you know, closer to you. Um, so you can go, well, okay, so that I, I reeled it a little bit. Maybe I reeled 10 feet in or, you know, you went two cranks and you got 12 feet in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of thinking about what you're presented with and and um, kind of make an estimate. I mean, and who knows? You, the first cast where you're trying to find that grass and how deep it is or trying to, trying to get an idea of how deep it is, you might have a tall patch right there and then the rest of the lake is – a foot below that. You never know. That's true. Um, yeah. It could be up on yeah, a hump sure. or something and, and that could be offsetting it. Yeah, it. yeah. You just, you just never know. But like the, like generalities, you know, or for, for, for general purpose, you know, throw it out there, let it sink, see how long it takes to get to the bottom. That's your baseline and go from there. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I started wanting so badly to, to start to get comfortable fishing with jigs is, is because I could then throw them out, you know, and fan cast. And at least if nothing else for new water, I'll throw a jig and I'll just kind of like drag it along the bottom to get an idea of what the hell's happening, you know, and, and it'll, it'll kind of help a lot uh, as far as like, you know, when I, when I'm making that decision for what I want to throw next. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, I know I have, uh, I have several people I fish with that, that do that. And my counterpoint to that is, well, I'm doing the same thing with, you know, a spinnerbait, a crankbait, a chatterbait, but I'm painting my picture quicker because I'm working it faster. You're doing it much faster. Yeah, that's very yeah, true. Just, that's very true. You know what I mean? So sometimes, you know, and it's something if, if you get on a body of water and you know, 
that there's this particular spot that holds fish and you can hit it with a jig or hit it with a, a plastic and, you know, maybe it takes you 30 to 40 seconds for that retrieve. Yeah. Go do it. But if I go to a new body of water, yeah. Um, generally the first thing I, I throw is going to be one of those you know, three things, something that, yeah, something that's good. Yeah, exactly. Something that's going to come back quick. Something I can paint a picture of, uh, mentally and, and, you know, I don't just throw one color or I'll try a number of different things, um, you know, to see what happens. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I had something happen today when I was out that was uh, kind of interesting. I was, I don't know why I decided to throw a buzz bait this morning. Uh, well, it wasn't even like it was late this morning, but it was cloudy. So I was like, okay, no, you know, no direct sunlight overhead. We got some cloud cover. And I threw a black and blue buzz bait, and I had the only strike of the entire day on that. And I decided I was like, okay, well, that you know, it was it, he missed it, so I'm going to go and I'm going to follow with a black and blue chatterbait. So I threw that right over there. Could not get him to commit at all. Just couldn't do it. And uh, I went, I went, walked uh, to the other end of the end of the pond, and then started fishing my way back. And before I left, that was the last spot I went back to. Still no dice over there. It was just so freaking cold. But um, that I don't know what what possessed me to throw that buzz bait. I had it tied on, and I was like, I'm just gonna give it a, give it a shot over here. We'll see how how it works. And I could not believe it was ideal. Real choppy. I'm not. I'm not even sure the the proper conditions for throwing a buzz bait um i've heard wind wind is wind is always good yeah. clouds are always good um low light i mean top water that's that's generally you know you, you don't want to have direct sunlight <clears throat> i uh, knew depends. i had that going I mean, with me yeah it, it, it depends i mean that might depend on the water conditions too I, yeah i think i know i um i i know we had spoken i think i know where you you know i know generally where you were fishing so yeah. i know the water the water clarity there is a bit dirty um I don't know. Was it a big fish? Did it look big? <laughs> no, I think honestly it was probably about uh, a pound and a half to two at best. At best. And and that area too, um, I believe has a breeding population of northerns. Could have been that. Yeah, that's true. I mean it was it was a, a fierce blow up. It, I was I was impressed. I could not believe it. Trailer hook uh, too, uh, and he didn't get it. I was like, son of a uh, bitch. Uh, in um in that same body of water, but but not anywhere close to where you were fishing. I mean, years ago, I remember in the rain throwing a buzz bait around offshore. Um, and I'll remember this, this was, this was so freaky. I, there was a pike that came swimming with his head out of the water. I don't know if it was sick or dying, but it wasn't small. And it came from far away. And that was probably the freakish thing. You know, I was probably 10 or 11 or maybe 12. Really? I don't know. It was, it was, I just never seen anything like that where, yeah, it was swimming with maybe, you know, eight inches. Its mouth was open, but it was swimming with its head out of the water. I, it had to have been sick or dying. Yeah. Um, and that that body of water, uh, for years and years and years, I had fished it and, you know, I caught plenty of plenty of chain pickerel. I mean, they're a given. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember going to a uh, a party at my sister's house one night. And one of her one of her friend's husband or whatever I was talking with about fishing. And he had said, yeah, I was down at that place and I caught a bunch of pike. And I kind of looked at him and said, man, I've been fishing that body of water for years. Yeah. There's no pike in there. Um, even with that, that one thing, I, I still didn't confirm it was a pike. I didn't catch that. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, he was like, well, I was there two days ago and here's the pictures. And he had handfuls of Northern pike through the ice. And I said, wow. Really? And the funny, the, the funny thing about that is um, when the ice thawed about a month later, yep. I was out there. Um, that was the first week I had my, my fishing dive. 
the big kayak and I caught two fish that day. One, it was, the water was 38 degrees. I caught a, uh, I caught a bass. It was just shy of four pounds on a crankbait. And with the same crankbait, I caught a six pound Northern Pike. And that's the only time I've ever caught a pike was two days after I had that or whatever it was a month after I had that conversation with that one guy saying there was pike there and I denied him. And then mother nature told me, no, there's pike in here. Oh yeah. (laughs) And I haven't haven't caught one since there. So (laughs) that's bananas. um, That's a really high pressure area too. Um, Yeah. Well, the whole, that whole body of water is now. So a a lot of people, that's a big, big spot. Um, There is, I'll tell you, there, there is a a couple of, there's one group of of people who have been going around. They have a Facebook group now called make uh, Massachusetts uh, fishing spots great again. And they've been going around and dropping uh, trash barrels at uh, some of the, the more popular spots where people fish. And there's a couple of them that they dropped over there and they're doing, they're getting used, which is great. Really, really great. The yeah, people are actually that, that using the stuff. Yeah. So it's, are they picking them up too? Yeah, uh, I had gone out. I I think so. My my like little local honey hole where I just like to go and fish. I can't access right now because of the quarantine. So because it's on a college campus and they're blocking everything off. So I go and uh, I'm going over to this place. Um, I've gotten a little bit more adventurous with, uh, you know, going, going, getting off the beaten trail and actually, you know, walking quite a distance in order to find a spot. And I found a few places that I really like over that way. I've been now at least over there once a week for the last three weeks. And each time I've gone over there, that barrel has been in various stages of being full. Sometimes it's totally full today. When I left on my way out, it was just a few things in there. So people are changing them out. Yeah. I was, I'm, I, I'm pretty impressed. I really was. Although I will tell you what, I, I probably picked up somebody's discarded, uh, what, probably about 40 yards of, uh, of fishing line. I don't know if they had yeah. a, a spool just explode on them and then decide to leave it there, but that's what it looked like. So I packed all that up and then chucked it on the barrel on my way by. Yeah. Freaking. Well, if no one, if no one takes anything from this podcast, yeah. uh, they should, they should take litter bugs suck. I mean, yeah. <laughs> You know, for sure. It's what's the point? I try to, you know, I try to clean up everything that I can. You know, I mean, nowadays it's like I hadn't thought about it. I usually when I go out during the summer, I'll bring a, a plastic bag with me. If I see, you know, a soda can or a beer can lying around yep. or something floating around, I'll grab it and throw it in line definitely. But um I haven't touched anything recently because, you know, why would you? <laughs> you know, I, I'm not. Oh, bringing- yeah, yeah. You want to be as careful as you can for sure. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, this is where we uh, where we are in the world right <laughs> it, now. I guess it's freaking unbelievable, man. What would be your like your number one confidence bait? That's kind of moved around over the years. Oh, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure it has. I mean, lately. Yeah, yeah, lately. Lately, lately, I've been throwing a lot of plastic creature baits, and they've I've really been scoring dividends with them. Yeah, I'm not going to get more into that. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. But um, over the past over the past two years, um. I've really done well with, uh, with, with plastic creature baits. I like so, to, when I'm leaning towards soft plastics, I like to go with, you know, like, like the, uh, the beaver, uh, tail or, or, you know, like that, uh, the bandito bug. That's one that I really like. Like it's just got enough kind of action. It's a, it's a good size. Craws always work for me. I need yeah. to work on my worm game. I really do. I mean, honestly with worms, I, I don't carry a ton of them. Um, you know, that's why I said when, when it's bounced back and forth over the years, I mean, every year I, I'm, I'm out there, you know, early and late enough that, um, 
I always get something on lip flip. Lip flip crankbaits are just like one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, they're no brainers. You don't have, you can do as much or as little as you want with them. There's so many different kinds of colors out there. I mean, there's, there's some, I have of one particular brand that I love using here. And then in Minnesota, there's a completely another different brand. I like using different yep. size. I mean, um, but yeah, with, with creature baits past couple of years, they've really been good for me. <laughs> so I yeah. can't complain, but again, lipless crankbaits have too. bladed jigs. They're right up there too. Bass jigs. I, you know, that was a tough question. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. It's a, it, it's totally a load, especially, you know, I never even thought about that too. When you start talking about different locations that you fish with, with any type of regularity at all, they're going to have different bodies of water are going to, especially in like such large sort of variance of, of location like that. You're talking about could be com- two completely different tackle uh, setups that you've got that you're taking out for your average day. That is kind yeah. of a loaded question. Well, well, what I what I do is again with the versatility and not bringing, you know, as much stuff as you can store in a bass boat. Yep. Um, I, I I did again, you know, getting back to your, your podcast that I listened to yesterday with uh, with Paul when you guys were talking about rod and reel setups. So I um I try to go minimal. Yep. Um, where I only bring four rods, and notice I said rods, not combos. Yeah. So I, you know, I have a, I have a setup with he- that's heavy for braid. If I want to throw something into weeds, I don't, I don't base it on the lures. I don't base it on the fish. I mm-hmm. base it on the cover. And that's, you know, and I, I don't know uh, how many rods you bring with when you walk, but um, I'm sure at some point or another, somebody has turned to you and said, I got so many rods for, and I, I always have to bite my tongue. And I say, well, it's kind of like golf, you know, you don't yeah. want to, you, you don't want to putt with a driver. <laughs> I mean, you, you can, yeah. but you're a little more, you're a little more um, effective if you putt with a putter, you know what I mean? Um, it's a good analogy. So, yeah, so I mean, well, it's it. People get that, yeah. you know, because um, there's a lot of golfers out there, and they know. Well, you know, you can putt with a putter. It's really tough to to drive with a putter. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other one, if I if you know if does that doesn't get through, the other analogy I throw out there is well, you can, you know, you can get a screw into a piece of wood with a hammer. It's just a lot easier with a screwdriver. <laughs> That's yeah. It's true. It's true. It's funny. I had, and I think I, I mentioned this. I heard this this one podcast I listened to, and they were um, in in this one show. They were talking about the five rods, like every angler should use. And I'll tell you, one of the um, not the newest, but one of the newest rods that I've uh, combos that I've added in there was I sort of had when I got into using bait casters, had kind of like taken the camp of like, yep, I don't need any kind of spinning tackle now, and that's not true. A hundred percent. That's what I found. A hundred percent not true. In fact, I would say that probably my most versatile combo is my my spinning combo. Um, I could I would feel a hundred percent comfortable going out and fishing with about like eighty five percent of the tackle that I've got on me at any given time and using that spinning combo, I could make it happen. But it's true. It's like, you know, what works for some or, or what works for one person may not necessarily work for everybody else. And there's a lot of like uh, particular taste from each angler that like their own preferences are going to come into faction here. So yeah, four rods is ideal if you're going to carry them on a kayak. Or, that's what I carry. I carry four rods with me. Oh. Um, yeah, the, 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 again walking. with the asterisk with the asterisk on there, and you know, bringing up spinning tackle. So I have four rods. You know, I've got a I've got a heavy rod yep. with with heavy with heavy braid on it and a fast reel, um, baitcaster, and then I have a, the exact same setup with a heavy fluorocarbon on there, and that's for jigs and you know, um, honestly, timber. 
really, I mean, really it's, it's thrown around in timber. We don't have a ton of lakes with, with major timber around here. Yep. Um, but I, th- I think you and I've talked about them. There's, there's two or three lakes in mass that the timber is so bad that if you fall out of your boat, you're going to get skewered and it's, it's no joke. Like it's dangerous. Um, Oh yeah. And, and of course I'm going to one, possibly two of, Oh no, I'm definitely, I'm going to two of them this weekend. So (laughs) um, with the winds and everything. Yeah. Well, well, I've got a, I've got an individual tournament on Monday. So I got a, it's a one-on-one bracket style. So I'm fishing against a guy at out East out there. And then there's another one. uh, There's another Lake even further out East that I'm going to see that I know has a ton of timber, but um, that's what I learned in Oklahoma. If you've got timber, um, you know, your choices really are braid or fluorocarbon. Yeah. Uh, Mono is not going to handle the abrasion. But what I found is when you've got a tree that's been sunk in the water for God knows how many years, it's not getting petrified. It's getting softer. So when you get, you know, when you get a fish on and you're throwing, you know, 50, 65 pound braid, and you get a jig on there and that fish is pulling the other direction and you have no give on your drag because yeah. you shouldn't at that point. Um, if you're, if your braid goes around a tree, it's sinking into the, it's cutting into the tree like a saw. Oh yeah. It's going right in yep. and it's stopping. And that gives those fish just enough leverage to possibly free the hook. Whereas fluorocarbon, you get a strong enough fluorocarbon, it'll wrap right around that tree and you can pull it right back in and won't have any problems. Yeah. So I keep those, those two rods right off the bat are they're They're kind of specialized, but they, they have their purposes. Now, you know, I bring all these rods with me and I haven't used my frog rod yet this year. It's just, I haven't, the, the weeds aren't up. I haven't yeah. had a chance to throw it. Um, the third one I bring, I, I bring a medium heavy with a, with a, you know, and I heard you guys talking about this, a really slow, um, reel. It's like a, a five to five to one gear ratio, yeah. um, with, with fluorocarbon on that. And that's for, you know, that's my workhorse. That's my power fishing rod. I do a ton of stuff with that. Well, what I, I kind of wanted to talk about when I, when I heard you and Paul talking was, uh, you know, it's not so much for me, you know, bringing in the lure at a certain speed. Yeah. Um, in the winter it helps with crankbaits cause I do like to go a little slower with them and I don't have to you know, slow down to a, a snail's pace. It's more for catching up when the fish takes off on you. And I learned that in the South because you won't even feel a hit from sometimes from a big bass. And all of a sudden you look in your line, it's been three seconds since your lure hit the water and it's 20 feet over from where it was. You didn't even feel it. Yeah. They've taken flat. right off. Yeah. So you, you've got to have those seven ones and, and higher to, to catch up with them you oh, know, yeah. and, and get that good hook set. So, um, and then the fourth combo I bring is, is kind of funky. Uh, I, I kind of, I think I'm the only person I know who does this. I found a, uh, <laughs> I'm semi ashamed to say this. I found a really, really cheap Chinese reel company, um, that sells our stuff on Amazon and their reels are cheap enough that I bought a couple extra <laughs> and I keep one on my, at this point, all time favorite spinning rod. Um, it's lasted for years. It's yeah. a great rod. I love it. I can't, every time I try to get a new one, the new one, something will happen on the new one. And I'm like, oh, I wish I had that one. I keep putting it back. Now I've just given in. I'm, I'm going to use it till it breaks. Hmm. Uh, it's an old original, original orange carrot stick. Um, I, I love that rod to death. I can't get rid of it. <laughs> it just, it just keeps turning up. I keep that spinning rod on there and I have three spools, um, with a light braid, a light fluorocarbon and a light mono. And I have all different uses for those, but I keep them with me. So, you know, if I want to throw a Ned rig, I can, fire that down on the bottom with the fluorocarbon yeah. if it's weedy and i want to throw the ned rig i've got you know that's that light braid if i want to throw some um some finesse top water i can throw it on that with uh with the mono yep you know depending on what it is but i, I have that option i like having all three and i just keep the spools with me so it's um you know so basically i have four rods 
but I have the equivalent of seven reels. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I have seen that there are some some people that I, I've seen will take reels that are spooled differently and just change them out. They'll throw them in their in their in their kit and they'll they'll yep. change them out if they need to. And that's that's not a terrible idea. Today I actually was the first time I had ever thrown a chatterbait on uh i well actually I should I should say I've got a, a bunch of uh, chatterbaits, but I've been throwing recently the the ones that have like the wobble, almost swim type head. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's the 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 EWG can, uh, hook connects to it with this coil on the backside, so it's got a little extra movement. Um, and I usually am throwing a chatterbait on like a six point three to one gear ratio reel, but I've got yep. one that's a seven one, and I've noticed a huge difference. The action just kicks right up with that faster reel. Uh, so oh, yeah. I might be uh, making some changes as to to what I, I use that. Usually that that uh, that combo I, I save for for jigs and larger uh, Texas rigs. But mm-hmm. I think I think I might throw start using it for. It might even be great for for uh, spinner baits too. A, a little bit quicker, just a little bit faster yeah. on the retrieve. Yeah, if that's. I mean, like you know, it always comes down to is if you feel comfortable with it and it's working for you, do it. Like yeah. Anything I say during this podcast is great, but I, I'm not in anyone else's shoes. Like I know what works for me just because I'm throwing a lure on a certain kind of line on a certain kind of rod on a certain kind of reel. doesn't mean, doesn't mean shit. Yeah. It really <laughs> I, doesn't. No, no. Cause, cause the minute, you know, I can say, yeah, it was this, this temperature, this time of year, I'm leaning heavily on my, my lipless crankbaits or, or whatever creature bait or jig I'm throwing. And two feet over for me, there's going to be a guy who's ripping out, you know, 20 and 21 inch large mouth on a drop shot. It just, it happens. Yeah. And, and, and that and, might just be that presentation too. And the confidence that comes with it for that angler, it might just be what it is. Exactly. And, you know? and I've, I've just gotten to the point with, with fishing and myself, I don't deny myself from learning new things. I always try to call, throw a couple new things in my box, not too many, a couple every yeah. year and say, okay, I'm going to try and apply these and see what I can do. I have my things that I'm confident in and I, I, I roll with them. And if, you know, if I'm in tournaments, I, I don't have a problem going down with my own ship. You know what I mean? I, I go with what brought me to the dance. Yeah. That's smart, you know, because then, you know, you go with what works and, and, you know, that's like part of the, the reason why I started using like uh, mystery tackle box was so that that way I could put myself in this situation where I could be trying different techniques that I've never used. And some of them might just flop. Like right now, I have probably half a dozen swim baits of very not. I'm not saying like soft tail or uh, soft paddle, soft plastic paddle tails. Those are different. I put those in kind of a whole other category. But like mm-hmm. um, either like the soft plastic, the boot tail style swim baits, or I've got a couple of the. It's not the bull shad, not the baby bull shad. Like a, like a jointed hard swim bait. Yeah, like it, it's like a, it's it's a beautiful swim bait, but I'm like it's just another one of those things where I won't I won't throw something like that until I'm a hundred percent comfortable with the body of water and the structure around it because I don't want to just throw you know something like that and get it hung up you know like because because I was ignorant about where I was throwing it. So like I'm, I've got a bunch of these things that I've just kind of been sitting on, and eventually I'll I'll start to utilize them. But especially I got this one boot tail. It's like a, a trout um, uh, appearance. It's absolutely amazing, and the action in the water is great. But I'm like, you know, I just I'm not. It's huge. That's the other thing. It's like a six. In, it's like a seven inch 
uh, boot tail swim bait. And the thing is just, I, it just rips. So I got to do a little bit more <laughs> homework and make sure I'm, I'm throwing it on the right stuff. Uh, but I'll, I'll figure, I'll figure that out. We'll get there one way or the other. You know, that's where, that's where it comes in to play of, of really maintaining, in, in my opinion, really maintaining a good solid database because yeah. what I did was for the first three years of that, of, I mean, you've seen that thing and I have like, I don't know. I could, let me see. I got it up. I'll give you an exact number. <laughs> I have, uh, I started this thing in 2009, 2009. I recorded every fish I caught plus skunks because you know, skunks happen. Oh yeah. So I started, I started fresh in 2009. So this is year what? 12, 11, uh, 12. That's crazy. And, um, and I have 4,400 entries, you know, so it's every, everything from a, if I got a three inch bluegill, I wrote it down. I wrote down what I caught it on, where, yep. when, all the same information. And then three years into it. So I think it was 2011 or 12 over the winter. I, I finally said, okay, I have enough data. I'm going to analyze and see what, what I can do. Mm-hmm. And again, it was just to save money on lures. So when I looked at all that, um, you know, I came up with, okay, well, I've caught fish on this lure. Let's see what it is. And I look at the lure and then I look at the fish and, oh, okay, I've caught 50 10-inch bass. That's great. I want, I, you know, it's great to catch fish. And I know that, but do I want that in my tackle box? Is that something I need to keep? Yeah. Um, so that helped with me, you know, help me adjust sizes of lures I was buying. So instead of buying like, let's say a jerk bait in three different sizes of the same color, now I only went with one because I knew I might catch fewer fish but they seem to be bigger. They would be, yeah, so, they would be more, more desirable to catch. Yeah. The, the funny thing was over those three years, the, the biggest dilemma I had, um, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty simple. Like this sounds like a complex thing, but it really wasn't. I wasn't using thousands of lures. I was using probably 20 or 30 yeah. that I was catching fish on. So if I didn't have fish on a lure, I just got rid of it. I was like, okay, that's easy. That's easy. Um, but the, the biggest decision that I had at that time, I wasn't throwing chatterbaits a lot for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I had like five fish over three years, but they were all over three pounds. <laughs> so I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not catching that many fish, but they're big. They're, <laughs> so, they're, it's, they're performing. Yeah. Yeah. So I kept them and, and, you know, I obviously benefited from them over the years, but, uh, that was, that was pretty funny. I, I, you know, there weren't many fish, but they were all decent. That's so, a really good point too. It's like when you, when you have that information, cause you're, as you're saying that, I'm like, you know what? I, all the fish I've ever caught on chatterbaits have been at least over two and a half, you know, all of them. That's, that's a pretty good, um, that's a pretty good, uh, you know, you know, reason to, to keep track of records. And that way you kind of know what the hell you're using for that kind of reason alone. Maybe you should throw it a little bit more or, or, you know, or, or make sure to have them handy. Yeah. And, and then you can look at the, the water bodies that you're catching them on. Well, mm-hmm. are these water bodies stained in a certain way? Is there, you know, is there a certain kind of grass in there? Is there a certain kind of, um, certain kind of plant life. What you know, start start uh, putting on the Sherlock Holmes hat and yeah. pipe and figure out some stuff. And it's really neat to look at. I'm again, I'm the only person I know who really really goes nuts with this stuff. I don't. Not to say that people don't, but they don't talk about it. I I not only talk about it, I advocate it. Like, you know, you're going to find your own path with these things, but I can't write the information down for you. <laughs> you oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, you got to do it on your own. Hey, take the notes, uh, and then you get to have that moment you know what i mean (laughs) yeah and it's uh but it is it is nice to see man like all this information i have that i can look at and kind of filter out and say what 
what, what happened here? What are, what are the similarities? What, you know, how can I save myself money? So instead of, you know, when <clears throat> February or March rolls around or whatever, uh, the local retailer restocks, I don't go in there and say, well, now I, I want 15 bags of worms that I've never caught anything on or yeah. this one color of worm that I've never caught anything on looks nice. I might do that. I might grab one color or if, if something I use that, you know, like this year, Yep. Uh, this is a great example. Um, there was a certain bait, a uh, certain uh, plastic that got discontinued in a, in a particular color by the manufacturer. And I was like livid because I have, I have one particular lake that, mm-hmm. um, that I fished that, that loves this one color. I don't know why I don't ask questions. I just throw it when I'm there. Yeah. And, um, it was funny because I, I found what I thought was a suitable substitute at least halfway. And I was probably going to have to take like a garlic marker to it or something and kind of finish, finish the job. Um, and then maybe two weeks ago, I, you know, I got up early for whatever reason I was on the computer and I, I did a search for them. I found four bags of these plastics in a small bait shop in Indiana that was still open. Oh, you got to be they shipped, me. They, they shipped them to me. So like, again, <laughs> you know, I spent, I the, the $25 I spent wasn't $25 on stuff that I had no idea if it would work or not. You it knew it was going to In a confidence bait that yeah. I know I'll put to good use. And then when those bags are gone, I'm going to be pissed. But, <laughs> yep. like, you know, like the manufacturers are making anymore. What can I do? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. How was it when you, so like you'd mentioned that, that one, it was one body of water where this one specific color was just amazing. Was it like just an accident that you happened to throw that in there or, or what was it that drew you to the color initially? Oh man. Um, that, that gets into more details than I really want, but, um, I hear you. It was a, it was a color that had worked elsewhere. And I think I threw a crankbait. Um, that was that color that had worked elsewhere. And I got some positive responses from it. I said, thought to myself, well, I wonder if that'll work in a, in a, um, in a plastic. And it did. And I don't know why, like if, if I looked at this lake on base level and said, okay, it's, you know, these are the characteristics of this lake. What other lakes have I fished that are similar characteristics? Yep. Um, that wouldn't be my first choice, but just that one day I I had a wild hair going on and, it worked and it's, it's paid dividends since. Hmm. That's the thing. Literally, and, li- literally and figuratively, because I think last year I won a monthly online tournament, just going to that body of water and throwing that lure. No kidding. So, yeah, it's, you know, we, we haven't really gotten into like the, the tournament fishing aspects of, of what's been going on with kayaks at all. I mean, if you want to, Go down that road for a little bit. We can. Yeah, I let's, got all day. <laughs> let's definitely. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. I think that's that's interesting because it's like that's one of the things I, I've I've known a couple of people who do tournaments. Um, and I mean, there's a couple of different schools for tournaments, like the the more like like larger uh, larger scale tournaments. And then I've seen recently a lot of these online ones that have been going on too. So what is it that you primarily do? I do, I do a lot of online this year. It's been nothing but online. You mm-hmm. can't, um, you can't gather any groups. Yeah. Um, thankfully, thankfully, uh, uh, the governor hasn't shut down, you know, state boat ramps or access or anything like that. So people are being careful. I mean, it's not like I'm the only person fishing some of these waters, but everyone's been pretty good about getting in and out and giving each other space and everything. Yep. I mean, when, when I started fishing tournaments, I, I got invited one to one when I was in middle school, uh, on the Connecticut river and it kind of lit a fire. And then the next one, you know, through high school, mm-hmm. we would always gather, you know, my buddies and everyone put five, 10 bucks on the line. And then uh, a buddy of mine got a bass boat. So we were fishing opens at, uh, at Congamon of all places for years. And the, the funny point about that, uh, I, you know, I know I'm, I'm going a little on a little tangent here, but um, the funny part about Congamon was we, 
we always got killed. Like I didn't know what I was doing in cold water at that point. This is like 15 years ago. Yeah. I had no idea what was going on. I hadn't really gotten into to fishing heavily in cold water. And it was always cold water. It was like April. So finally one year I kind of, I think it was a year I really got going and I said, well, let's, let's fish this one last time. And I, I remember saying to my friend on the phone, and you know what? I'm not putting it on the lunker because that's just donating money. I'm sick of that. Screw yeah. them, right? And I laugh. Yeah, I guess who caught the lunker? And when my name got called, I, I had to step up and say, I didn't put it on the lunker. Son of and, a bitch. And the guy next to me caught it. And the guy next to me walked away with an envelope full of cash. And I'm like, well, at least I was honest about it. Yeah, that's true. But I was the only person to break five pounds with fish that day. <laughs> I no got two. Kidding. See, that's one thing that I would love to play around with is is tournaments. I don't know necessarily that I've got the um, ability right now to to kind of make it happen, but uh, or, or or that I've got the dedication necessarily. But I, I would love to get into that, dude. This is like fucking Spinal Tap for podcasting. What's happening? It really is. I have. Uh, I realize. Like, I'm. There's no way I'm gonna be able to get away with editing so much of this stuff. So I'm going to need to mention that there were dropouts along the way. So there might not be necessarily the most coherent, uh, but I think it's kind of hilarious actually. All right. We're, we're back on the computer one, man. I, I, my phone is, is dead. I, I, I had a feeling I was like, we'll see, we'll see what happens here. Yeah. Um, I mean, with, with, uh, with, with tournaments um, in the state right now, I mean, there's a couple different groups that, that do them. And plus there's, there's nationwide groups that'll run a state tournament, yep. you know, from out of state. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy. Um, you have a lot of options like take this weekend, for example, um, this weekend I'm in, let me think about this. There's a, a three day tournament that I believe is run from a gentleman out of state. Um, I think it was like 50 bucks to get into it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's the catch COVID or catch, what is it? I'm sorry. I don't want to jack this up. Catch bass, not COVID best 19 fish. I see what he did there. It's very clever. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. So um, it'll be best 19 fish uh, lengthwise, almost all, you know, I, I don't know of any online tournaments. At least I haven't been a part of them that do weight. Yeah. Uh, everything seems to be length based. So you I think have it's to have easier a, to prove uh, when you're doing an online tournament. It's just easier to kind of prove it because you can have that, uh, what is it? The, the, when you're, when you're measuring the fish, you can use the hard plastic instead of the, the tape style. Well, well when I was listening to you and Paul talk about it, um, yep. the hard plastic ones are probably on their way out. There was a couple incidents like in, in, you know, divisions way above my head where, um, I think they were being bent to make fish look longer. <laughs> They're so, being bent. Really? I thought they were too, like, uh, what do you call well, them? I, I, again, I don't know anybody who did this. I don't, I'm not throwing aspersions, but I saw a picture and I was shocked. <laughs> yeah. Um, some derpy looking fish out there though, you know? No, dude, no, no, no. This, I, I'll send you a, I'll send you a picture. The, I'll send you a picture of what I saw and you'll be like, Oh, I get it. It was misuse of a board. Believe it was, you know, cause if you have a board that's point A to point B, and you all of a sudden you make A and B closer. Whatever you're measuring is now going to be longer. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, there was yeah. there was recently um, uh, Ben Milliken did a, uh, a tournament. Uh, I think what did he what did he call it? Because he wasn't. I, I think he does something that he calls a Slaunch Monster Classic. And then he yep. wasn't able to do the regular tournament, so he did an online tournament. And there were some that he had to disqualify. And the ones that he disqualified were anybody who used a tape. And it was for exactly that reason. It was because with a tape you can take and just fold it. 
Like you can take yeah. two inches, fold it. It's right underneath. Nobody's going to see that fish. They're just going to see whether the 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 mouth was where it was supposed to be and where the tail lands. So I can buy you some 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 uh, extra inches there. But with the, I never thought anybody would try and and, and bend those out. That's crazy. Um, well, I, I I don't know I don't know the story. I'm not again. I'm not casting aspersions. I just yeah. saw that picture and said that can't be real. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, the, the industry standard seems to be uh, the uh, the laser etched metal. Um, the brand is Catch Boards. I actually just bought one this year. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm not I'm not endorsed by them or advertising for them. It's just a really they're really nice. It's just hmm. the damn nicest ruler I've ever owned. But um, they have that you know that vertical surface on the back uh, on one end, so you can put the fish up to it. There's a certain way you have to take your picture. That's you know your hand if it's in the picture has to be in a certain position. Yep. Um, you have to have, um, like a great, great example. Um, I was in a tournament last weekend and there was a, uh, there was a side pool for pickerel and I guess the top turned in pick pickerel was disqualified because it wasn't taken. The picture wasn't taken inside of the, uh, the boat and, you know, oh. compared to the bass because of the teeth on a pickerel, there, there was a lot of leeway and it was in there like, Hey, we understand, you know, if you have a lip gripper or something, just as long as the lip grippers on the side and the, you know, the pickerels touching the board, it was all good. But yeah. uh, that one was not taken in the, in the kayak and it had to get DQ'd. No kidding. So the guy went on shore and took the picture. So huh. that's interesting, yeah, but, um, but the rules are yeah, rules, you know? And I mean, as a guy, trust me, as a guy who does competitive trivia events for a living, I know everybody's trying to get an advantage. You know, the competitive humans competitive nature comes out and it's like it just comes with the territory. It is what it is. Yeah, and and you know, once you once you get the hang of it, um there's there's tips like even like you think taking a picture of a fish on a ruler would be the easiest thing in the world and Yeah. It's not, man. No. I I've you know, I uh, I've had fish flip off that would have counted, you know, and and go into the water and it's like shit, you know. So even holding a fish down, a bass gets pissed off. 14, 15, 16 inch bass, they're going where they want. Oh yeah. So sometimes, sometimes the net you use can come into play. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff, hmm. but um, yeah, there's, there's a number of groups that do them. I mean, the formats are, are, you know, left up to the imagination of whoever's running it. Yeah. So it's, there's a lot of different formats out there. Um, so like this weekend, um, aside from that COVID one that I mentioned that I'll be in for three days, uh, from Friday to Sunday, there's a, uh, I'm in a, two monthly tournaments. One is run. Let me think about this. One's run by a guy in Virginia who runs one out of Massachusetts and the other one's run locally. So there's two monthlies I'm in. And then, um, there's a, uh, gentleman in Maine who runs a, um, a largest five of the year that I'm in. So there's four tournaments right there. And then come Monday, um, I'm in a, uh, I'm in a bracketed tournament that a guy out East runs. So hmm. we all get randomly drawn. You call, you know, you get in touch with uh, your first round opponent. You pick a time, you pick a place, and it's best three fish. That's pretty cool. Yeah, last best weekend three. was a um, a, no, a no limits one. Yep. So you went out on the water from whatever it was seven to three, I think it was. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, yeah, it was as many fish as you could catch over twelve inches for a grand total, and I. You know, that pond I was mentioning where I, I have good luck with a certain style of bait. Mm-hmm. I went to that one, and for whatever reason, that pond was not on that day. I caught my first fish 10 minutes in, and then about an hour, hour and a half went by. I got my second fish, and I said, well, look at the standing. So I had, you know, a grand total of 28 inches of fish after two hours. And uh, I looked at the standings, and there were two guys that had 
you know, well over 290 inches. And I'm like, Oh, there goes my day. That's crazy. So, so at that point I shifted gears and said, I'm going to move to a different pond that I know holds bigger bass and just try for the lunker. Yeah. Exactly. And also had a large pickerel there too. So I went for that as well. And, you know, I caught a decent bass that day and, and caught a couple of, uh, you know, good sized ones after that, but I, I didn't, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't come anywhere near the top. Wow. 10. I think I finished right in the middle. Man. Yeah. Either way. I mean, it was fun. I love those no limit tournaments because, you know, even a 12 inch, every, every 12 inch fish counts. Those are a blast. It's kind so of like, uh, MLF, like isn't it? The way it works, the no limits basically. ML, um, well, I think they're on weight, aren't they? Well, they, they are on weight, but in the sense that like, even, even though it's weight, like every, every fish you catch gets, you know, gets you some kind of mobility as far as, as far as counting, you know? Um, oh, wow. oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, it's like, so yeah, if you're, if you're, no, I take that back. No, no, no. It's not a low, no limit in, in MLF. Cause I'm, I'm new to watching even this stuff, but MLF, I think they have to weigh a pound minimum. They have to weigh a pound. So it's like if you catch like a real dink, it's not going to help you. But anything, a one-pound fish will help you. It's not like the limit is, you know, we're only counting three pounds and up, something like that. Yeah, I get you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy those no-limit ones. They're a blast. Yeah. Uh, there was one fall I did that was that was really fun, and then this one last weekend was fun. The bracketed ones are fun. You get to, you know, get out, say hello, meet somebody new, and, you know, kind of see where you're at. I mean, you know, I grew up playing sports and basketball in particular, and, and – you know, now that my knees are shot, I ain't playing basketball anymore. I still yeah. coach, but I still have that, you know, that, that competitive fire. I like to get out there and have fun. And Oh, for sure. You know, yeah, it makes things it's, interesting it's, too. You know, you're not, you're exactly. not just catching fish. It does. It kind of, kind of puts a little bit more of the sport in there in, in the, in a competitive nature. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I would yeah, love to and, get into tournaments, but I do think I'm like, I, you know, I, I had almost, I had almost signed on for the, uh, the uh what was it the slaunch master uh quarantine or something i forget what the hell it was called but uh because they're like yeah you could fish from the bank they they said even even if you were up north and you still had ice if you wanted to ice fish you could do it that way as well but i really think i gotta wait till i i have a boat for me to get into any kind of tournaments anyway uh dude, so here's here's a tough part right for anybody whether it's bank or boat or yeah. kayak or whatever um and and I know there's been a little bit of discussion about it and people, myself in particular, I, I'm, you know, tentative of, of going into a tournament where some of like, you know, people that aren't from New England, you know, they, you think the Northeast and they're like, yeah, it's anything from like West Virginia up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's not even a competition with, you know, the size of the fish because they have bigger growing season. The further South you get, the bigger growing oh, yeah. season you've got. So um, you know, it's, it's even difficult. Like <clears throat> it's difficult being in the Western part of the state when the Eastern part of the state has a bigger growing season. Cause it's on the coast. It yep. doesn't get as cold. You know, that's why I, with, with, uh, the, the group I'm fishing with now, I'm, I'm the only East, uh, Western side of the state guy. I think I have, you know, I can go anywhere I want and I know that any fish I catch, they're going into up against the Eastern side. And I, last year I, I, I did okay. So I, you know, it's, it's rough when you start including, you know, anywhere where the, where the bass are going to get bigger. Like it's, it's tough to say, okay, I'm in Massachusetts. I'm going to, I'm going to go into a nationwide tournament. And it's a guy from Virginia or North Carolina. Yeah. Cause it's just, he's that, that angler, even if you have the same skills and you fish the same amount of time, you take away all those other variables. Chances are, he's going to have more big bass to go after. Yeah. It makes sense. Just, it definitely yeah, does. So it's, you, you know, know you, um, 
you, you take a guy even even from like Virginia, although it was interesting, you know, because the the guy who who won it, it was Ben Melikin. He won just by like I think a half inch. It was close. Mm-hmm. And I think the other the guy in second place was somebody he knew. So they're both from uh they're both from Nebraska. And the way they were talking, they're like, oh, so it wasn't like, you know, some like Southern, you know, like like a like a, a Texas angler or somebody who's got, you know, just these monster bass that have this crazy growing season. So it's funny when they're like, like guys in Omaha think that they're up north. Like it's I don't really think of it as as like our climate necessarily. I mean, Dude, I know they get a winter, o- but <laughs> I, I lived in Omaha for, for five years. It's, yeah, it's we're on the we're on um we're on the northern side. And Omaha is on the southern side of the same parallel. Yep. So yeah, it's it's dead even. <laughs> no shit. If yeah, it's it's we're right there. Yeah. I mean, but that when he said that, I was just like, oh, no kidding. I guess that kind of that that's pretty cool because that was the first thing I thought. Like the winner's going to come from Florida. The winner's going to come from Texas. The winner's going to come from Alabama or or you know somewhere yep. in Cali or something like that. But no. Not at all, and I don't know the number of people they had competing, but I just think it's it's a it's a cool concept. The fact that you can have an organized contest and not have to have it be in one kind of area and make that competitive opportunity available to anybody who's got an app that they can download on their smartphone and the you know the required equipment as far as you know measuring your catch, you know yeah, whether whether it be it, a scale or or or, or the board. It's, it's a blast for me because, um, when you, when you talk the monthly online ones, um, I'm out there fishing anyways. Yeah. Why not? You know, and then it, it's, it's almost like a kick when you get a, you know, a large, a really big fish and like, well, yeah. <laughs> that could, you know, that, and then the two others I caught last week could have added up to something, but you didn't get into a tournament. Yep. So I just, you it's know, true. I just put in on it and see what happens. If I'm going to fish anyways, why not? Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a really, really good way of looking at it. Yeah, I think it's pretty awesome. Now you had referenced this a little bit earlier, and I want to go back to it. Um, the, sure. the question that I asked with the with that saying about how fishing tackle can uh, fishing tackle companies catch more suckers than the tackle actually does catch fish. Um, in your opinion, what is the most ridiculous lure on the market right now? And a follow up question is: Have you been <laughs> guilty of using it? Most ridiculous. Or what define ridiculous? Like, like what just, are we talking? Like gimmicky. I mean, for whatever reason, too. Like I'll give you an example. Um, I think personally, I think the the topwater spider lures make no sense. Like, I mean, come on, they they look oh. so cool. You know what I mean? Do you want? Hey, so I've been looking at those yep. for one reason. Um, I know. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to get into what pond, but you know, I live in a pond. You fished on my pond. Yeah. Did I tell you what lives? All over the banks of my ponds. Oh yeah, pond. I think we discovered one of those in your kayak, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the giant fisher spiders. So no. yeah, I have, I've, and I've seen there's there's species in the south that are even bigger. Yeah, it's it's a prey item. I, I don't I don't mind it. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you uh, an older lure. So I, I know I'm gonna kind of modify your question here. Okay, no, that's good. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a lure that a buddy of mine uses that I absolutely scoffed at, and then he threw me a beaten with one day. Right? Oh, really? The Bill Dance Dancing Eel that was out that was around in the early '90s. Do you remember that thing? Oh, the Dancing Eel. I've heard of it. I I don't I've, I don't think I've ever seen one. It literally looked like an eight inch sperm cell with a treble hook on it, right? <laughs> and a and a lip. So. 
I, really? I, I, one of my former coworkers, a really good friend of mine, um, he and I went fishing in his boat on the Connecticut River maybe, oh, I don't know, three years ago. And he had one of those tied on. And I'm just immediately busting his balls about the dancing eel. I'm like, oh, what are you going for egg cells today? What's going on? You know, yeah. just the whole ride up. And it's he just sit there and smiled. Yeah, he killed me that. He must have caught 20 smallmouth on that stupid thing. And uh, and I caught one bluegill and running, you know, running lipless crankbaits. And I'm like, all right, I, I got nothing, <laughs> you know. And every time I went to a tackle or consignment shop that had um, a dance and eel, I would pick him one up knowing he would love it. I never kept one for myself, but I always thought that dance and eel was ridiculous. And man, it showed me one day. <laughs> no kidding. That's crazy, yeah. man. I think I want to say I've seen that lure before it's it's almost like it's like a jointed swim bait right no no it's like it's literally it literally looks like a sperm it's it's a big ball with two eyes on it and it's got a big long eel tail and underneath the ball part it's got a it's got a lip where you could tie the uh the line to and then underneath that it's got a uh a little uh split ring sticking out with a treble hook on it no kidding jesus oh my god i always thought that lure was ridiculous and then my buddy just, he took, I think it was a, oh God, I can't remember if it was a four or six inch model used. Yeah. Man, hey, you want to catch smallmouth out of the Connecticut? Go ahead and buy yourself a dancing eel if you can find one. Because I, I got nothing. I'm not buying them. <laughs> well, and there's there's so many eels in the Connecticut that it's like, it, yeah. it that really, it does kind of make a whole lot of sense. Which no, is, I, and- I don't, he was using a chartreuse one or something. Yeah. I heard chartreuse or green. <laughs> I don't know what they thought it was. Yeah. I don't care. I'm never buying one, yeah, but it works. If it comes down to, I have to fish against that guy, you know, <clears throat> for money in the Connecticut river, I'll lose. I'll take, I'll take that one on the chin. I'm yeah. not buying a dancing eel. No. There's nothing that can force me to buy a dancing eel. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. <laughs> oh, see, I, I think, I think my goal is what I'd like to do is get a, a list of these like ridiculous lures and create like, uh, eventually I'd like to do a, a fishing based game show. Even if it's like just once a year, and I'd like to kind of create that as like a gift, like a prize for like the loser or something like that, like the random, like so put. Okay, so we got the banjo minnow, or we got the dancing eel. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll go, we'll go from there. We'll we'll add some other stuff in. And you know, now you say the uh, the banjo minnow. Um, when you and uh, you and Paul were talking about that yep. on the previous episode, so I, I've kind of seen that at work, and I get it. It's a uh, it's a small hook. It almost looks like a circle hook. And if I remember right, they have a weed guard, a small wire weed guard on there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, basically that thing is the, the equivalent of a sluggo. Yes. So it's like a, it's a plastic stick bait, but just really, really loose. You know, yep. it, it, it does move around really well. And I've seen it work in some weedy locations. So mm-hmm. I just don't think it's anywhere near as ridiculous as the <laughs> dance and eel. No, no, that's, I'm going to have to Google that and check it out. And uh, I might, I don't know. I might even use the uh, image on the podcast when I, when I post it too. The dancing eel, Jesus Christ! Oh, oh man. dude, that dancing eel—he killed me with it. He, <laughs> he absolutely killed me with it. I had—I had nothing. I ran my mouth all morning, and I had nothing to say once whatever it was the dozenth smallmouth hit the boat. Yeah. He just kind of looked at me. All right, I—I I, <laughs> I learned my lesson. <laughs> That's freaking funny, man. Yeah, nice dancing eel. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we haven't fished together in a while. I did look up in my database. You know, my my only prep I did for this. This podcast was uh, seen when we fished last. I know we we fished in 2014 for the first time, and I, I think yep. that was the first time you ever went in a kayak. That's when we went up in the Berkshires. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it yeah, was. My little hidey holes, and then and then my place in 2017, and 
seems we've got an every three year pattern going. So we're gonna have to I get know. down on the water pretty I soon. I know here, this is this needs to happen. I got to, now. Did I did I tell you about my boat situation? No. What do you got so, going on? So I have a uh, I, I have a boat um, that is. Uh, it's kind of in limbo right now. I have to. I need a trailer hitch. I also need to handle like the registration and all that other stuff that's in here. Um, it's got a little overkill for a motor. It's old, but uh, I just need to get it tuned up. Once I get uh, back to work and can start making a little bit of money and put this stuff together, I'll I'll have a, a fairly decent boat. And I want to start fishing. Dude, we have this great resource here, the Connecticut River, and fishing from the bank is awful. It's terrible. You know, um, and that's sort of my big goal right there. And I was hoping to be able to get out and, and fish for stripers, but probably not going to happen. I don't see this quarantine ha- ending anytime soon, and, and it's going to. I'm going to need a few months to kind of rebound a little bit. Yep. But uh, th- so that's what's going on boat wise for me. But I have been. Um, I've been getting pretty adventurous as far as you know, getting uh, off the beaten trail and uh, and and finding some some different spots to fish, and even just. Going out with like my 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 spinning combo and just you know just take a day and be like okay we're gonna walk more than we're gonna fish we'll look around and kind of find some spots and kind of mark some things on Google Maps when we get there you know and then then I can go back and with whatever notes I've got I can go and and fish a place you know proper or something like that but yeah that's yeah and, and that's you know with 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 me with the kayaks one of the things that I enjoy is um, like I said I don't have a I I, I I don't have a pedal powered one. Yep. Uh, yeah. One of the, one of the big reasons that I, I, I like doing what I'm doing with the kayak so much is that, you know, if I fish heavy, if I'm out there for, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours yeah. in a day, I look at the scale like two, three days later. I'm like, Oh, I'm, that was good. Um, yeah. you, you know, it's, it, it, you're out there working hard and, you know, like with you with the walk in the banks, it's the greatest thing to do. Um, yeah. you know, having, a, having a bass boat minimizes that. And, uh, I mean, you are standing a lot, which is good. Oh, definitely. Um, I, I, I kind of worry sometimes about the sitting in the kayak. I mean, sitting for eight hours, even if you're paddling, probably isn't the healthiest thing in the world to do. But yeah, it's it's good. I mean, I even told my uh, my opponent that I'm facing on Monday. Um, he actually sent me a message yesterday. I said, hey, can we switch days from, from Wednesday to Monday? He had something going on. I said, absolutely. No problem. Yep. And then I looked at the calendar and I said, oh, God, the three-day tournament. I'm fishing <laughs> Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and now Monday. And I said, Oh, by the time I'm done Monday, I'm going to have two broken arms and have dropped 20 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely, man. Damn. But well, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like you get out there and you're fishing and then you're like, oh, I got to go all the way back, you know, and if there's current, man. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, you know, sometimes I, I can't say I fish a place, a lot of places with current. It's yeah. more the wind that'll get you, but. Oh, yeah. You know, either way, it's a workout, you know? Yep. My, my goal is to have shoulders like Dwight Howard. You know? Exactly. <laughs> Instead, I'm going to have two broken shoulders, but that's fine. <laughs> It'll be worn completely out. It'll be good. No, at that point, though, you know, you'll get one of those uh, one of those powered kayaks from from Old Down. I'm just dropping them because I want one. I want to review one. That's what I'm doing. I'm just uh, dropping them because I want to review one. So Old Town, give me one of your powered kayaks, and uh, I'll give you a good review. And I'll give it a workout too, because at at over 300 pounds, I'm going to give that thing a, a real workout. Because I'll be standing up in it. You know what I mean? I'm going to be making making it work. So Old Town, th- hook me up with a couple. We'll get Sean one. We'll get out there. We'll try it. You know. And th- the beauty is, you know, you're going you're going to need a paddle anyway. I figure you paddle out, you do what you got to do, you spot lock to keep you where you got to go, but then you just motor back. 
<laughs> when you're exhausted. Yeah, but I mean, again, again, you know, give and take. Now you've got a an incredibly you know heavy boat. You know, you've got a battery to maintain. Yep. You know, uh, I, I honestly like I can see myself getting a pedal kayak in the next two to five years if I yeah. can afford it. I, I mean, those I've I've had boats with trolling motors in the past, and I've lugged batteries around. It's a pain in the ass. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's I not batteries like it's, on my foot. It's it's, <laughs> it's a pain in the foot. <laughs> pain on. in the foot. It's a pain in the foot. There yep. we go. Uh, <laughs> I think I stopped the screen share, but it's going to be in the show. Oh my goodness, oh. man! So, last question I have for you, and it's uh, fishing related or not. What is your most unusual talent? Unusual? Yeah. Oh, wow. <sighs> Give me a minute. Yeah. Unusual talent. Oh man, I. <laughs> this one is a stumper. I know. I know some people. I have, are, hey, that's a shitty. Qu- I have no idea. It's terrible. It's a total stumper, man. Oh, you got, can I can I pass? Can you, I call a friend? Yeah, what, no, can, no, no. What, you you what? can pass. I'm just gonna cut that one out. Don't worry about. It. And that's the thing, Sean. I do want to have like even so. I knew with Paul. Paul's really really shy. I've known the guy for 20 years. He is super super shy. And he listened to the show back, and he's like, "That was actually really good." And I was like, "See, and it's easy. All you got to do is call in, and we can do this." It's simple. He's got two little kids. I get it. And it's the same thing. Like you and Eric and, you know, I kind of want to just like run this show. But like I'm not, you know, I've only got so much uh, quality content that I can put out there. I'm way better at podcasting than I am at fishing. That's the way I look at it. So I'm looking to kind of like use this as a way to kind of pick brains and like network and get sort of sort of create some growth in the fishing community. But, you know, using my my skill set in this sort of fashion. But I want to link up with the people that I've learned the most from and have gone out and fished with the most. And it's like this way, like you kind of get to have fun and do your thing, but not have any responsibility with it. You know what I mean? It's kind of great, you know? That's like that's all anybody ever wants is just to have a good time without having any responsibility for what they're doing. You know, I'll handle all that. It's cool, you know. And I mean, you know, so far the podcast, I, I kind of like it. I thought I was going to get shit for the open. Have you heard the podcast open with the real spinning, and then it's got my DJ tag in there? <laughs> yeah, and then and then I I was I, I meant to tell you this in a message when you put on night swimming. I, I, I had to go to the bathroom, right? So I, I'm listening. I'm like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. I get up and I click pause. So I only heard the actual non, you know, spun out end of night, yep. of night swimming. So I'm like, all right, here, night swimming. I'm like, and then I had it stuck in my head all goddamn day. I'm like, yes. mm, I love that song, but I'm like, you know, I haven't listened to it in a little while. I think I, I think I listened to Automatic like last year for some reason. I threw it on, but yep. All right. All right. <laughs> this is weird. Yeah. And there's a story, a fishing story with Paul that involves that song. And we just, we never got to it. And he was like, oh, you know what? Let's, after we're, after we were done recording, he's like, let's uh, not mention it in the outro. Let's just kind of let it go. And it'll eventually come back up. I was like, all right, well, cool. That means I have to have you back on again. And that's, that's perfect. We'll just do that. But, yeah, See, I was- I, when I listened to it and, and we talked, you know, briefly over messaging, I yep. was like, I was, I was immediately thinking of, okay, I'm going to be a weekly, uh, you know, interlude Sean's insane fishing stories. Cause I literally wrote down a page of just insanity. Like I didn't even think about what lures to use or yeah. what, you know, what line I use, how, what my favorite kayak is, uh, you know, what, what is my most unusual talent? I didn't think any of that shit. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. what's the craziest shit I've seen on the water. And I wrote it down. I got a page. If you I was have just writing, that like, written down, let's, let's yeah. do that. Let's I let's make that a regular thing. 
Like, oh, you can just call in, I'll record it, and I'll put it at the at somewhere in each show. Like, I'll make it a segment. I used to do in Western yeah. Assholes, what's pissing off Dylan with this guy I knew yeah. from college. And I think that would be great. Insane fishing stories. Oh, I like that. I'll make you an open and everything. <laughs> I'll make you a whole open and everything. It'll be great. Well, you know, um, if it's going to be bizarre, you know what I would recommend for the bumpers? What's that? Or play, or play it if you can get a hold of it without the vocals. Yeah. Um, Primus is John the Fisherman. Oh, oh, that's a good one. Okay. <laughs> that's a great idea. I was idea, thinking about man. that. I, I, I really, I, I got creative with it. I'm like, oh my God, I wrote down all these stories and I'm like, oh, and, and, and you know, honestly, after I wrote it down, probably another 20 hit me. I'm like, wow. Cause you know how it is, man. Like, yeah, not everybody is out there. Polly Purehauer looking to catch a few bass or pike. There's people out there that are just drunk, doing drugs. They're throwing a line out <laughs> exactly. while they're getting wasted. Yeah. You know? Uh, it's true, man. I, I was laughing about one of them. I'll tell you this one. I, I, whether you use it or not, you know, it's your business. But, uh, me and uh, there were, I think, five of us all together. We're out on a pond um, out on the eastern side of the state. And it was early spring. It was a camping trip. We all, you know, I still get together with a few of my high school buddies. We go camping twice a year. And um, we were fishing a lake. And there was one guy on the shore and um, we were kind of, it was just kind of keeping an eye on him. And one of my buddies came up to me and we just kind of, you know, hooked up boats and uh, we had cigars. We started smoking cigars back in the day when I smoked cigars. Yep. And we lit cigars and uh, this guy on the shore was getting real belligerent about the fish he was catching. We weren't talking to him. So this was really bizarre. <laughs> he's yelling stuff at us like, yeah, hey, check this out. And he's reeling in, you know, 12, 13, 14 inch fish. I don't know. They didn't look big. But he's running his mouth. Hey, that's how you do it with a Carolina rig or something. And I'm looking at him I'm like, he's not using a Carolina rig. He's, you know, he's got a Texas rig worm on. What's going on? But I didn't, I'm not starting to fight with this yeah, guy. No, so no, I'm yelling no, back, hey, nice. It. Yeah, I'm yelling back, hey, nice fish. You know, good for you. After the third one, one of my quieter buddies, I guess, had had enough. And he just stood up and pointed at him on his kayak and yelled, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Guy turns around and walks away, left. <laughs> we were sitting there, you know, on the shore or near the shore with an anchor down, smoking cigars, just quietly watching this unfold. And one of my buddies who does not have a temper absolutely snapped and screamed at this guy. It was phenomenal. So, <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about that one. I didn't write that one down. And I was laughing so hard. Like, no, yeah, that's a, Hey, fuck you. <laughs> hey, check out this one. Look at this on the Carolina. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> I had a guy, there is a guy, one place I like to fish regularly, uh, He, I see him there all the time, and I'm pretty sure he's drunk every time I've seen him, um, pretty yeah. sure, and, and I get it, hey, you know, I'm not going to judge anybody for what they want to do, it's fine, but I'm sitting there, and you know, I don't know that he, I've seen him a bunch of times. I don't know that he ever remembers me. I'm, you know, I mean, <laughs> me, I don't know. I just kind of, whatever it is, it is. So I happen to be fishing and I'm having this like awful time. I got this, uh, um, gone over this one little pocket and, uh, where we were, he goes, um, I'm, I'm just pitching a jig into this one little pocket and I see a a bowfin go by that is it's got to be about 18 20 inches long this monster bowfin goes right by right by my feet i was standing next to a tree and there was a little bit of cover going over where the roots of that tree were kind of covering and this bowfin was just cruising on right by and i look over at him and i was like i'm gonna regret this i go hey uh 
they got bowfin in here? And he's like, oh, yeah, they got bowfin in here. You catch it? And I was like, no, 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 I didn't. He's like, if you do, you got to kill that son of a bitch. I'm like, oh, my God, man. He's like, yeah, they stocked this pond here to get rid of the pumpkin seed population, and it backfired on them, and that's, they're nothing but a terror, and blah, blah. This fish was a beast. I even yeah. I, I shared uh, a picture of a bowfin skull because the um, they're they're amazing, man. I mean, absolutely amazing. I could not get them to bite though, like anything. I've I caught. Threw. I've caught I think five bowfin in my life, yeah. all in Minnesota. I love catching bowfin. They are insane to fight, and yeah. you know you got to watch out. The first time I caught one, um, God, I can't remember if I caught it on a crankbait or a spinnerbait. Um, really? I have to look. But I caught it, and it was in my fishing dive. And my fishing dive is, is not uh, a kayak where you, if you get, you know, I've had big pike in that thing, and I've yep. gotten a couple injuries that I have scars from from pike and you know things with teeth in that kayak. Oh, I believe it. And um, I ended up landing a bowfin, and of course I did my homework on them about you know how you grab them and this and that. But what I didn't know was they have a bony plate under their chin where their their gills meet, and that thing is like on a hinge. So I went under that thing's gills to grab it Yep. and the hinge flipped and I had a four or five pound bowfin flopping around in my lap. I almost shit my pants. I believe it. It was crazy. So I ended up paddling all the way back. It was about a quarter mile back to my uh, in-laws place with the yep. bowfin in the boat with me Oh Jesus. with a net over its head. <laughs> and um, I got it back. We took pictures of it. That was the first time I caught one, but I've had yeah. them, I've had them hit crankbaits and straighten out split rings and take the hook. I mean, those things are bulldogs. I love catching them. And um, and even like, you know, it gets a bad rap. And this is more, you know, because we have bowfins here, but they're only what? Western Mass, I think they're in the Connecticut River and they're in the um, whatever the Manhan is called in the center East Hampton. Mm-hmm. What the hell is that? Uh, what's the name of that pond? Nashawanic. Yes, yes. yes. Yep. So I, I've heard, I have not caught any in there, but I've heard they've been in there. That's where I was. Um, and then, and yeah, yeah. So yep. I kind of figured that when I saw all your bowfin stuff. But, um, the uh the what i think really gets a bad rap around here and it, it it really upsets me even when my neighbor said something um and man i know they don't get get as big as pike but everyone hates pickerel and it's because of the slime on them in the teeth oh yeah like it it kind of drives me nuts because i had one of my neighbors elderly neighbor, elderly neighbor saw me catch a good sized pickerel it was about 20 inches out of my pond yep they're screaming at me to throw it up on their lawn and kill it i'm like absolutely not like why yeah. would you just, i'm not killing an animal unless I'm, i you know i teach my kids it's okay to kill something you're going to eat. If you catch yeah, a bass exactly. and you, you gut hook it and it's bleeding everywhere, hey, you know what? Make it easy on it. You know, kill it humanely, throw it in a cooler and bring it home and cook it. Yeah, you gotta exactly. do it Then it doesn't go to waste. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, man, people, I, I get it. I get pickerel steel lures and mm-hmm. they're slimy and you can get hurt by them. But like, if you know, over the past two years, I've caught my personal best pickerel like three times over. Yeah, and you, you, you have caught some freaking amazing pickerel because some of the pictures that you've you've caught are I most of them that that I've like they're not even brag worthy. I think that's why they get such a bra- a bad a bad rep because there's so many numbers of small pickerel. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you know when you when like I caught uh I mean this this it was at Nashawanock and I I caught him on a popper. This yep. funky little popper that that's from Booyah that's got a lip like a little crankbait. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you can work it almost like a real subsurface jerk bait. It's pretty cool. And this thing just absolutely destroyed it. And I wanted to get pictures of it, but it swallowed the, uh, the whole lure had both, um, 
both trebles in its mouth, thrashing around like Pickerel do, you know, there's blood all over the place, and ended up actually un- unhooking itself and falling right back in the water and taking off. I was like, I wouldn't have even taken pictures with him just because he was bleeding that bad. I'm like, get him in the water, hopefully he heals, you know, it's just crazy. Yep. Just attacked it. But, like, if, if you were catching Pickerel that were 18 inches plus on a regular basis – probably would feel a little bit more accomplished, you know, and they wouldn't get the, the reputation that they get. I, I think anyway. Yeah. Um, the, was it, I'm trying to think how much I see. I've gone out East quite a bit yep. um, over the past month, but uh, maybe two, three weeks ago, I was out East. I was at one of my favorite, you know, favorite lakes out there where the bass and the pickerel get enormous. And I've got, um, I, you know, I can get into this in a second uh, about the, the, the catch and release program for pins that the state does, which mm-hmm. I love to death. Um, so last year I got two state pins for chain pickerel yep. out of this lake. And then I went back there and in one day I caught a 22 incher, a 23 incher, a 23 incher, and then a 26. A 26? So, yeah, it was huge. Holy shit. That's, that's, I think I sent you the picture of it. It was enormous. Yeah, and yeah that's right. That's right. We had that conversation. Oh, the, that's the, right. The thing looks like it swallowed a goddamn shoe. It's so fat too. So I'm guessing, and I, I don't weigh fish anymore. I don't need to. And you know, we, we can talk about scales another time or whatever and yep. what I think about weights, but, um, you know, my opinion on it I, I, with, with, you know, fishing tournaments so much with length now, and then the yeah. catch and release program also being length, I, I don't buy, I don't worry about scales anymore. Yeah. Um, but I'm guessing that fish was at least five pounds. I mean, that's a big pickerel. That's a huge pickerel. Yeah. yeah. That's a monster. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind them. I'm careful with them. I, I worry a lot more about Northern Pike in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, I've got, I, I think I showed, I, I don't know. If, I don't remember if I, I must've showed you that. I showed you that scar I have on my wrist, right? Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the, the story, you know, just so if you want to have this story on at some point, the story with that was um, early in the morning in Minnesota before the kids were up, my wife said, go fishing early. I went out and I decided to, uh, to fish a submerged sandy point that a lot of boaters like to use, um, very similar to the one on Congamon in the middle pond, where people just kind of dock their boats and then sit in the sand and drink beer all day. And they're, you know, they're up to their waist in water sitting down, but they're yeah, you know, drinking and I'm sure, you know, just hanging out and doing their thing. So I decided I wanted to fish that point in Minnesota before all the pleasure boaters got there, yep. you know, around 10 or 11 o'clock. So it's like six o'clock in the morning, six 30 in the morning, sun's not even up. It's about a half mile paddle that, that, Cobra fishing dive of mine is a battleship. It's not easy to paddle. It's very stable, but it's, it's not fun. Yeah. So I got all the way there. And on my second cast, I threw a spinnerbait that had a trailer hook on it and a pike grabbed it. And it was about, I don't know, maybe 20 inches. I don't, it wasn't big. Yeah. And, um, this is, this is the incident that taught me to let pike and pickerel get tired because I reeled that thing in as fast as I could. I got it to the boat and I reached for it and it shot out of the water. It jumped up and it sunk the trailer hook into my right wrist where I was holding the rod. So oh, I was reaching no kidding. Left. And when, when it sunk in, it went in up to the bar, but that pickerel was, you know, probably a pound, pound and a half. Oh yeah. When gravity hit, it came back down and ripped the hook out. So I'm lucky the second one didn't go in and I'm lucky it didn't grab anything important. Yeah, exactly. So, that could have been really bad. Yeah. So it, it bounced back into the water and I look and I'm like, Oh shit, I felt the pain. And I just, I saw the blood starting to come. So I held my hand above, you know, I, 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 I uh, grabbed my below the wound with my, my left hand and held yep. my hand above my head to hopefully it would stop bleeding. And while it was stopping bleeding, you know, my heart's racing a mile a minute. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm a half mile away. I got to paddle back. I might've just really 
fuck myself up. Yeah. And um, eventually it stopped. So I looked down and then I start assessing what just happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that rod, it was a, I had just spooled the reel. It was a, um, it was an Abu Garcia ambassador, brand new. I don't think it was a month old. Yep. That was gone. One of those nice blue ones. I think it's a C3 model. It was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, that was gone. That had a whole nice roll of fluorocarbon on it. That was gone. The, the rod it was attached to was a nice falcon. That was oh, gone. Jesus. All of it was in 12 feet of water in this lake, and I had to paddle back. So I, I waited till you know, the throbbing stopped in my wrist, and I paddled all the way back. And it's like, you know, whatever, 7.15 now. And I open the door, and my wife's still in bed, and, and she kind of sits up, and she goes, why are you back so early? And I go, good news, bad news. She goes, she goes what's the uh, what's a good news? I go, well, I stopped bleeding from the wrist, and then she sat up. <laughs> yeah, Jesus goes, What's Christ. a bad What's the bad news? I go, when Gander Mountains open, opens up at eight, I got to go over there and get a new rod. <laughs> She's like, okay. So I told her what happened. And, um, you know, I went and got a cup of coffee while I was waiting for Gander Mountain to open up. Yep. And uh, there was a, a Cub Foods. It's like, you know, big Y out there. Mm-hmm. It's just a regional supermarket. So I go, I, my wife had asked for batteries and this and that. So I ran in. I was a little early. I ran into Cub Foods. I was the only person in there. And this is this is a story that I always tell people to, to just – typify people in Minnesota, man. This is like a good stereotype because Minnesota people are just so nice, right? Oh yeah, they are. So there's a, a woman probably about, you know, 10 years older than us and she's working the, she's working a register and I got the batteries, I got a cup of coffee, whatever else I got. And my, my wrist is obviously heavily wound up and I didn't want to, oh, know, I didn't sure. want anything. Yeah. And she, she goes, you know, all bright and smiley. Oh, how's your day going today? And I go, <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, you know what? I got about 10 minutes to kill. I said, I'll yep. tell her the story. So I told her and she, she, I tell her and her eyes are getting bigger and bigger. And you know, when I finish, she looks down at my wrist and looks at me and she goes, a pike did that to your wrist or North. They don't call them pike. The North the Northern did that to your wrist. I said, yes. And she got all angry. This face, scrunched her face up. And she goes, Ooh, that turd. <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't bear to bring herself to call it a fucking asshole or something. But like the best she could come up with was turd. And that she like turd. meant it. Like she probably went to church over that. Oh, I bet you she did. Dying. Oh my God. I'm like, if I love Minnesota. <laughs> oh man. No, oh. probably still to this day in central Minnesota, there's a lake with a seven foot bait casting combo um, with a dead pike skeleton attached to it with, yeah. with a spinnerbait in its mouth. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. They just, but, um, they, you're, you're right though. You got it. You got to wear them out. You got to wear them out. This, <laughs> and that's, that's the thing. It's not so much the teeth that always get me. Cause like teeth are teeth. You know, I mean, it's like you you can you can grab uh, a pick roll, you know, and and it, it's the thrashing, you know, and with, yeah. with if they if they especially if they have a lure in their mouth with treble hooks, it's just like yep. get it out of your system, man. You know, you gotta just you gotta be careful. Let them let them let them get that the thrashing out of the way. <clears throat> one of um one of the things I always recommend when you know if somebody's coming out fishing, you know, yep. for the first time, or I I kind of watch them. Like the two things that I always see that I try to, to let people know about and let, you know, let them know the consequences of, cause man, I've, I've lived it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see somebody get hurt. Yep. The two things I always see are, uh, number one, when someone gets a fish or if someone's trying to do something with a lure, they always tend to put tension on the line. Like you're grabbing the, the lure. Like you're now loading up a slingshot with hooks. Yeah, exactly. That's not good. Yep. You don't know where that's going. Um, that's the one thing. And then, uh, the other thing I always I always kind of keep an eye on, like, and this sounds so stupid, but I just saw it again last week. Yep. Um, aside from the law, like, 
you know, people don't wear their life preservers. And I can tell you horror stories I've heard. Oh, yeah. You know, people just aren't smart on the water sometimes. And, yep. you know, the more advanced the fisherman um, and the person that's out there more often, you see more safety precautions being taken. Yep. But, um, you know, like case in point, you know, getting back to the uh, loading up, a, a, a loading up the tension on a rod, right. Or, or on a lure. Yeah. When I get a fish, like the first thing I do when I get in the net is I click the bail over. I just let it open. Huh? So yeah. if the fish is in the, if the fish is in the net or if it's in my yeah. hand, I do not want that fish to spit a lure. And then I've got four feet of line between hooks going 80 miles an hour at my possible face. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just, yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. So the first thing I do is, is teach people like, Hey, if you get a fish, it's awesome. If you're going to handle it, great. If you can edit, great. No matter what you do, the first thing when that fish is immobilized, you flip that bail over. So, yeah, you know, some people listen, some people don't. I mean, oh, I, I've been hooked. I've been hooked in one, two, three, four different places in my life. So yeah. I, you know, I mean, I, every, I try every, to be careful with that. Everybody's got their horror story of when they get hooked. And, or, or, and I say when, because pretty much everybody that I know is at one point or another has hooked themselves. Uh, whether, yep. whether or not it was past the barb or not might be a different story, but yeah, it's, I mean, everybody's got that, that story. Um, you know, that releasing the bail, that's a good idea. Usually, usually what I do is I take the rod and I, well, again, it's different when you're on a kayak, when you're on a kayak, you can't just put the butt end of the rod up against the ground and leverage it under your arm. So you have the slack, you know what I mean? The slack yep. line. Uh, when you're in a kayak, it's a little bit of a different animal because you're not you're not looking to dunk the rod in the water, you know. And and if well, if, if you did, well, even I mean, it could be you know, worse. With, with my with my house, I still if I have you know a half hour or whatever, I'm not taking a boat out. I'll go into no. the backyard and take take a cast off the shore. Yep. And if I I've got plenty of pickerel in my pond, if I get a pickerel, um, or anything, I'll reel it in. I'll grab it with a hand and then I'll flip the bale. Yeah. And I'll put my I'll put my rod down so I can work on it with both hands. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's possible. You just don't want that. You don't want that lure loaded up and getting ready to go. Oh, and yeah. And that thing just, spits it out or something. You, know? you just don't want the tension there. And that makes sense because it is just like you said, like a slingshot thing. You know, yep. it lets go and it can one one movement and that 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 bait can be free. And then there it goes. Yeah. And, you you know, one of the things like I wanted to talk about, too, with the pickerel, like, you know, with a neighbor yelling at me. Yep. Um, I mean – this is, it, this is just kind of a, a neat thing. You can read about it all over the place on the, you know, the DCR site. Cause yeah. every lake has usually has some sort of a, um, a species, uh, listing of what's in there. And, you know, you'll never see pickerel were stocked somewhere because, yeah. well, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say never, but it's, it's fewer ponds that see pickerel stock because they're native around here. Yeah. So like when, you know, I know largemouth and smallmouth are put on a huge plateau for fishermen and, and rightfully so, man, they're a lot yeah. of fun to catch and they get big. Um, for the Northeast, for ponds up here, I mean, the only native fish that were not stocked at one point or another, usually around the industrial revolution were, um, pickerel brook trout. And I can't find anything on yellow perch. I believe they're native. Yeah. So, you know, when people say I kill it and I'm like, no, they're like one of the few natives we have. And yeah. why, why, you know, what are we Growing up to be serial killers now, we just kill animals. Or yeah, what the hell's that's, going on? that's the <laughs> thing. Know? It's like it's not it's not that idea. I think probably the best comeback you could have had for that was just release the fish, look back at that at your neighbor there, and go that turd. 
<laughs> the best kind of kind of comeback. I could have. That would have that would have been an appropriate response, but that's, <laughs> that's uh, absurd. Yeah. Um, with that, um, you know, another thing I, I did briefly mention I wanted to come back to was that um, that catch and release pin program I love to death. Um, it always kind of you know bothered me that uh, when you get you know somebody gets a seven eight pound bass and then it's literally catch and kill. It says that on, you know, catch and, and bring it to a, you know, a way station. Yep. Um, you're stressing out the fish who knows how close the nearest way station is. Oh yeah. You know, like, like there's a lot of them on the Eastern side of the state and you can, you know, because of being close to the ocean, you got striped bass everywhere. I mean, there's tons of them on Cape Cod and, you know, around the shoreline, but like out here, I, I don't know of many. I think there's one or two in the Berkshires tops. I mean, yeah. think of how much area that covers. Oh yeah. I mean, you're talking about hours of driving. Um, in, yeah. in some situations, depending on where you are. And what about the hours that you make this catch? There was a story that I heard recently about a, um, was it in Illinois, uh, a record smallmouth. And it I was, saw that. yeah. And they were like, they did it right. Like they had, they went to go get their pin, but it was basically the same idea. They were like, they made some phone calls middle of the night. Like they were night fishing and yeah. they had, uh, had uh, some friends or some family bring them like a cooler. They did everything they possibly could to ensure that this fish was as, uh, to, to prevent it from being too stressed. And, uh, and they released successfully, which is great, you know, but yeah, I mean, so how does it work in mass? Cause it's one of the things that I had never, ever looked into as far as the pins with catch and release. How do you, how do you verify that? Um, so it's pretty easy. The state are not like really, you know, ball busters about it. Yep. Whereas like, uh, you know, with the, some of the tournaments I fish, you've got to have those, those fish on the ruler a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't, you know, you, you have to, if your hands in the picture, it has to be a certain way for the state. Um, if you send a picture of a fish on a ruler, yep. um, and you know, I haven't had any problems. I'm not going to say, you know, if, if X, Y, or Z happens, they're going to deny it, but every, yeah. every pin I've turned in, I've taken a picture with a fish on a board and sent it into them. You can send them in that day. Yep. Um, usually within a week, you get a response saying, Hey, it's been submitted. We're evaluating. And then, um, the next email you get is, Hey, your, your pins in the mail. It's That's pretty simple. Pretty cool. Um, yeah, you just, I mean, honestly, I, I, I always forget to save the bookmark, but it's, yeah. it's on the DC, the DCR site. And then uh, you go in there and there's, um, uh, what is it called? The sport fishing award program. Yep. And then it's catch and keep catch and keep youth and catch and release. And there's a little uh, hyperlink on there that you click on. It says uh, submit, you know, submit for a pin. So whatever it, there's a pull down, I believe it says mm-hmm. what species are you going? How big is it? Um, please add the picture. What's your address? So we can send this to you, blah, blah, blah. So it's, um, it, that program, I think, I'd have to look. I think it's four years old now. Four. This is its fifth year, yeah. I believe. Um, and it's wonderful. You know, you can you can take those big fish and and that you know have the genetics to get that big and put them back in the water. Yeah, there was so, just just recently there was a, a bunch of pictures that I saw on some Facebook groups, albeit like national uh, Facebook groups, uh, fishing uh, Facebook groups where. People were taking pictures, you know, they're in their living room with a fish, you know, and you're like, oh man, that's going to the taxidermist. That's the idea. You know, okay. You know, I have, I, 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 I appreciate like quality taxidermy, like I, as, as an art, um, I think it's a little outdated for the way Mm -hmm. we live now. Um, but I, I have a number in my mind that, and only native, like if I catch a fish in my home state, that's at a certain number or higher, I'm going to take the measurements so I can have a replica made. 
And yeah, exactly. I'm going to release those, those... that fish so that that way I can have, you know, um, a piece that I can point out to, and, and as a conversation piece, you know, as a memory, you know, to kind of have that together more than just the pictures, but, um, you know, have that there, but also like exactly the genetics. If that, if that fish has one more spawn in its life to get yep. those genetics out there, that is, that's, that's fantastic. Like, I just don't understand. Plus it's like big fish. Even if you're fishing for food, the bigger the fish of, of, of a lot of these species, generally the quality of the meat goes in the shitter. You know, well, it's not even that it's the, you know, when I think about bigger fish, I think there's enough mercury in there. You might as well break open a thermometer and suck that down. That too. Top of the food chain, you know, like I, I, I came across a study, um, maybe five or six years ago. I was older than that, but I found it was a, uh, I believe it was UMass. Don't quote me. I'd have to pull it all up and get the sources. I'm, I'm going to give you the gist of it, but it, it was a, um, a statewide survey, um, to see how much mercury concentrated in what populations of fish. So across the state surveys were done with largemouth, catfish and perch. So they could cover all of the, you know, the, the, the strata of the water from the top to the bottom, because perch are all over the place. Catfish are generally on the bottom and bass are generally towards the top. Mm-hmm. I know they go deep, but generally they're in shallower water, but perch are all over the place. So they, this study went on and then they found that like, uh, it was perch out on Cape Cod had the least amount of mercury in them mm-hmm. and then and bass on the western side of the state did which makes a lot more sense because i mean where does the mercury come from it's on all the heavy metals and the water cycle that are coming out of factories in the, in the midwest yeah so that was a really neat thing to see so when i keep fish i mean you know i i want to say that one day you came over and fished i think i had some what i have frozen bass or frozen perch something left over uh frozen bass did i make pizzas yeah yeah you made pizzas yeah so i make i make a sauceless pizza with with bass yeah. um and it was I dynamite yeah. And I, I don't, um, I don't ever keep largemouth bigger than like 14 inches. So yeah. if I catch a 12 to 14 incher, yep. um, you know, I'll keep, I'll keep my limit. If, if I, you know, and I, I don't think it's, it's a mild tasting fish. It's a white fish. It's, yeah. it's not a big deal. But the way um, some people me, act about it, they, you would think it was like super oily and super strong. And, and I have heard from some people that if you're going to catch uh, large mouth and, and eat them, you're better doing it in the, in the spring and fall than in the summer because actually in the, the colder, yes, the colder, the, colder the water, the better. the better, but I, pre- I, I prefer keeping smaller large mouth when ice fishing. Oh, okay. Um, and that's based on experience. It seems like the warmer the water gets, um, there's two types of parasites you find in the flesh and that the parasites seem to get more prevalent as the, the temperature goes up. I Warms very up, yeah. rarely find them. Yeah, one of them is like this little yellow. I think it's a worm, but it looks like it almost looks like a uh, man. How do I describe this? It almost looks like a seed, like a little tiny seed. I'm talking like quarter inch, yeah, if, if even that big. Yeah. And and then the other one's like a, it's a a peppering. It almost looks like, and that parasite can even show up on the fins. So if I catch a bass and I see that on fins, I'm not even touching that. Um, the other one's inside the flesh. So if I look real quick, don't see the peppering. Boom. Okay. So then I get it home. If I cut it open. Um, you know, and I see that yellow thing, those yellow things can be pulled out or cooked out. So, hmm. yeah, but like I said, I'm not going out there catching, oh, hey, I had a two dozen bass day and they were all over 16 inches. That means I'm bringing none home. I'm not, you know, I, my, my sweet spot is 12 to 14 inches. They're legal to keep. They're not full grown. Um, and all that really does, I mean, after talking with my, my mentor down there in Oklahoma and the way he managed his pond, 
mm-hmm. he would keep he would keep a few small bass every year because those bass are putting such a taxation on the uh, on the food chain. You're you're freeing up more food for the big ones to eat. Yeah, you know. So he's managing his fish as a trophy, or he's managing his pond as a, a, a trophy bass fishery, and yeah. um, and and he's doing it because, like I said, you know, I caught that eight four in two thousand fourteen. I want to say he caught a nine and a half last year, the year before. And he <laughs> caught on amazing. a little tiny crankbait. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Of yeah. course. I mean, it's just always yeah. the way. Man, that's so, freaking bananas, dude. But yeah, getting getting back to the um, the catch and release program. Take your picture on a ruler. Um, like I said, I use that, that catch board now. I had a, a nice laser etched one I got from a, uh, a retail store in Oklahoma that I brought home with me. Yep. Um, there's, there's those yellow hog troughs. Again, those are kind of getting phased out competition wise, but if you're not in a competition, bring one with, it's nice and light. You can throw in a backpack. Yeah. The folding ones are kind of, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I buy one. I just, I don't like, you know, the fewer moving parts, the better for me. Exactly. Um, but if, but yeah, I mean, if, take, if you don't have take, a choice, it's something, you know? Yeah. Take the, take the pictures, you know, the, the, the program's there for a reason. And then when you see on the surveys on the DCR site for like the pond maps, which I'm sure you've used, mm-hmm. um, it says right at the bottom of this fish species, you know, this, this pond has whatever the, the exact terminology is, this pond has churned out this, you know, you know, uh, these species, uh, pin awards. It doesn't tell you if it's catch or release or not, but yeah. it'll tell you like people have been pulling pin fish out of this lake. And that gives you a little so, bit of a heads up. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. So, you know, the genetics are there. I mean, it doesn't work all the time. I mean, some of those surveys, the, the Western part of the state is a little worse on the surveys than the Eastern part is. Um, I don't know what the reason for that is. I, I honestly have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see some of the ponds out in the Berkshires or in Western Mass have, um, you know, survey dates of the 70s. And the, oh, right. the maps maybe have no blurb. It'll just be a, <clears throat> just be a map. Um, whereas the ones on the cable will say, Hey, survey was done in 2008 and this is what we found. And Hey, we've been throwing tiger muskies in here or whatever, or, you know, it, it's a lot more informative. Um, I don't know if that's because of the tourism. I, I honestly have no idea, but it just seems like the ponds out East have, have a lot more information on them when you go on that site. Hmm. A lot. Um, I don't know, man. I'm, I just try to learn. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to look into that, man, because I think that, uh, like any way that you can sort of of document, like uh, 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 other than you know the stories, like this kind of stuff, like we're just talking about it and sharing it with people. But anytime that you can kind of certify, like what some of these amazing catches and do so in a in a responsible way for the fishy for for the species and the uh, and, and not for the fishies. We don't want fishies. We don't want anything to do with the fishies. <laughs> You know what I mean for the species, but also like the the fishing community. Uh, like I think that's that's there's some other states that could probably learn a little uh, 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 something like that. Um, that's that's freaking amazing, dude. This has been a really good show. Like technical difficulties and all, this has been a really really good show. You're gonna have you're gonna have three. You're gonna have to break this up into three podcasts. I just I just filled you know filled up a week of programming for you. Two weeks of programming for you. Oh yeah, we're going on three hours now, man. So I, here, I'm gonna. Yeah, I don't even. I I haven't even got into the crazy shit yet. I know. No, this is good. We'll we'll start them off kind of light. We'll start them off kind of light. We'll work out uh, some some of this stuff and we'll we'll work it on in there. But I am. I'm gonna I'm gonna look I'm gonna look up that Primus song and see if I can find an instrumental. If I can't find an instrumental, I might just EQ it out with the vocals or just grab the intro or something. But I'm gonna come up with an open for you, man. And we'll have you do like uh, uh, I'll just have you record a bunch of them. 
you know, well, let me know when you're when you're available. I'll record a bunch of them. I'll get them all set up. I'll put them together and drop them right into the into an episode. It'll be great. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what you're thinking about it with the uh, with the the theme song there. Why don't Why don't you uh, if you're recording this, ready? Let's go silent for a second. All right, Sean. So now put that in John the Fisherman. All right, just put leave the lyrics in. Say it (laughs) one more time. Sean. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, fire that in there. I probably and, could edit that in there nicely and make it work. Might even be able to match the key, too. But you want to do it poorly, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sean. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, man. Awesome. Well, hey, this was really, really good. I will... Uh, I'm going to edit this, and I, I probably won't post this one for a few days anyway just because the 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 last one just went up a couple days ago but uh yeah, take your time man yeah i'll get this one out there and we'll, we'll put some stuff together dude thanks for doing this hey no problem man and this was a blast when i when i when i heard you were doing the fishing stuff when you sent me that message i was immediately on board like oh, i want to i want to have yeah. some fun here talk a little bit but i mean the big thing i want to i want to stress is for anybody who's listening i mean yeah get out and fish i'm not an expert i fish a lot but my opinions are just that opinions yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And, and, and there's no, you know, one one sort of way. What works for you might not work for somebody else or, or vice versa. It's like, go out and have a good time. Be responsible. Pick up after your goddamn selves while you're out there. No fishing line anywhere. And uh, and pick up if if anybody else is a moron and leaves something behind. Pick up after after them as well. Because uh, we only yep. get one planet, right? So might as well True. take freaking care of it. Awesome, and dude. we're a life preserver. Yes, we're a life preserver. Even on the bank. Some of us. Some of us should. Although you should be wearing a helmet, too, if that's the case. I was going to suggest water wings for the bank. You'd be all right with those. (laughs) I'm doing it. I'm going to make Jigs and Bigs water wings as merch. Merch soon to to come. I'm working on a logo. I want to do some hats. I think it'd be great. Jigs and Bigs hats. Awesome, dude. Cool. All right. Let me know. I'm looking forward to contributing, man, if... uh, you know, hopefully this doesn't start any shit storms. You're going to see the emails, not me. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure it'll be fine, man. I love it. All right, sounds cool. good. All right, brother. I will talk to you soon. Uh, tight lines, and I'll uh, I'll be sure to give you a buzz next week. Let you know how this weekend goes for me if I uh, have use of my arms. Yeah, after it. good luck. Yeah, you might want to download a, a voice uh, of a, t- a voice to text app or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hold, holding that phone up might be a little bit too much. Ah. <laughs> uh. Nice, man. You have a good one. Take care. Good luck this weekend. Thanks, Rob. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See you, bud. Later. See, I told you it was worth waiting until the end and listening to all of that, man. This is really, really great. I'm looking forward to doing more stuff with Sean. Uh, And by the way, I just want to throw this out there, guys, as a a, a quick shout out. Um, A couple of we've uh, I've been getting lots of feedback about this podcast, and I cannot thank you enough. Um, If you're an angler and you enjoy this show, please do me a favor and support the show just by simply sharing this with a friend. Um, Jump on social media and share the podcast there. If, If you dig this, let somebody else know about it. That would be fantastic. I, I do have a few things that I'm working on right now. I'm um, 
I'm going to give it a few months, and then I, I think I'm going to do our first giveaway. I'm going to work with uh, a tackle company and put, a, put together a little package and do some kind of a giveaway, something like that. But I really want to hear from you guys. Um, I use Anchor as my platform. A lot of you guys know that. Uh, you can leave voice messages on Anchor. Uh, it's really, really easy. If you go into the show notes, there's a link right there. You can just tap that link. And go ahead. Leave me a voice message. And if uh, if your message is uh, you know, something, I'll mention it in the show You know when you when you've uh, when you've left me a message there, I may actually be able to even take that whole file and drop it right into the show if you want to be involved. Also, if you want to be a guest of Jigs and Bigs, I, I would love it to have uh, some some new folks. Uh, you know, we can do this on Zoom. I've been using as a platform to record all this, and uh, just you know, get in touch with me. Let me know what, uh, what 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 works. Remember, you can always email Jigs and Bigs four one three at gmail.com. Jigs and Bigs four one three at gmail.com. If you follow us on Instagram or you follow the Facebook page for Jigs and Bigs, you can shoot me a message over there as well. I'll be glad to you know, reach out to, to any of you guys and, and schedule some time to do some interviews and, uh, and, and have some fun. We'll talk about some fishing, talk about some great stories. I think really that's that's ultimately what we all want to do. Got a couple other things in the works right now, and I'm hoping that uh, that that things line up the way uh, that that I'm expecting that they will. And if that's the case, I think we're going to have ourselves a great show, everybody. Thank you so much, everyone. Have yourselves a great one. Tight lines, everybody. Take care.